Hello and welcome to Founders Unplugged. I am your host, Greg McCallum, also known as the pay-as-you-scale commercial advisor and fractional CCO uh, and angel investor. Um, before we start, just wanted to let you know all these conversations are you know, completely voluntary by the founders who are involved. So please give them some love. They're, they're very busy individuals and they're taking two hours, up to two hours out of their day to come and sit and chat with me about themselves, about their businesses and about all other kinds of stuff. Uh, so it's a bit of fun. It's a, you know, a bit of a uh, an experiment um, and uh, really enjoyed the sports so far. So thank you so much. But do show them some love. Look in the uh, description uh, on whatever platform you're watching this and you will find links to them for their LinkedIn profiles and also the projects and the startups they're working on. So do go and check those out. And while you're at it, maybe give me a bit of love too. Um, I do this as something on the side to my main business. I run a company called ThinkWork, um, like I said, where I am the commercial advisor and fractional CCO. Um, and so if you're looking for any advice, I also do free uh, commercial advice um, for those for, for one hour, up to one hour. Uh, but uh, that, that, that job allows me to do this so i guess you could say in some ways think work is sponsoring this episode um but uh look thank you so much uh enjoy the episode please do um show love and appreciation for them and of course for this episode if you enjoy it like it subscribe share all that sort of stuff comment below that lets the algorithm know that you're engaging with it and maybe you can suggest um some people that uh, should be on the show that'd be great to have them on um and they can also uh use the form in the description to apply as well um so yeah without further ado i've talked long enough enjoy the episode thank you bye-bye founders unplugged hosted by greg mccallum Hello. Hi. Hi, how are you? Um, fine, good. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Very well. Um, welcome. Nice to meet you. <laughs> nice to meet you too. Yeah, I've heard so many great things about you. So I feel like I know you already from Adrian. So. Um, yeah, I'm very, very sorry. Just a short thing. Just sorry. No worries. Hi. Huh? Hey, Greg, how's it going? Yeah, I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I saw the warning as I came in. This call is being recorded and trying yeah, to yeah. Oh, God, yeah. fix no my makeup or anything. <laughs> yeah, no fancy introductions or anything here. Um, we just get straight into it. I, 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 you know, I went to the Joe Rogan School of Podcasting. Um, you know what I mean? So it's just like, uh, just just get going, I think. <laughs> it's I like it. Let people be late as well. It's also kind of amusing when that happens on podcasts. So and well, I even have like a, a ring light here as well. I'm really prepared. Yeah, oh, I got nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Living the dream there. I got one too, but it's out of frame. But uh, but you just have to believe me that when I say I have one. <laughs> um, it does. Does one minute count as being late? Though I've always I've always thought that that's 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 on time in my book. No, not in my opinion. I, I think if you're not five minutes early, you're late. Oh really? Oh okay. Yeah. Well, I was very briefly, very briefly in in the military in the Royal Air Force, and and those right. words were screamed at me on many occasions in, inside of a few months if you're not five minutes early you're late and usually mm. that was said to you about four minutes before you needed to be somewhere right. followed by the words of you're late go yeah, yeah. so that yeah. kind of really made me feel like no i'm never late for meetings as best i can although yana might think you are so. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is i've got i've got a um a, a french algerian mother and they're never on time. My mum's never on time for anything. Like you know, for them, it's like if you're if you're ten minutes late, then you're early. 
Like, you know what I mean? It's like, it's the other way around. <laughs> but anyway, well, look, it's really lovely to, to meet you. Adrian's told me a lot about you. Um, and uh, and it's great to have you both here. And um, so the about the only bit of structure I do have in this whole thing, <laughs> um, which you'll come to learn, um, and maybe I've I've kind of introduced something towards the end as well, maybe. But um, but yeah, but about the only thing is the beginning bit where I think it's appropriate for for my guests to introduce themselves and the business. I think that would be a polite thing to do. Um, so yeah, whoever wants to take it away first, um, go ahead and introduce yourself. Annie, you're the CEO, so this is your job. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. Uh, just a short notice before we start. Um, uh, my delivery was moved from yesterday to today, and I'm sure with my luck, it will happen right in between this time. <laughs> that's fine. So I'm pretty sorry if that happens. No, because... no, 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 that's fine. We, we've had all sorts of stuff happen so far during these episodes. <laughs> so like, yeah, yeah, like cats jumping on people. Um, my kids screaming like it's just part of it so don't worry about it you know uh, um, i'm getting used to the delivery in europe because uh, in ukraine you have like a time frames you can pick up mm -hmm. for exact time so we're like a, a few steps ahead and here's like a, a, a week a day <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 it might be delivered in may yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah welcome yeah. to southern europe yeah I and mean, this is the place for uh, manana for things can happen sometime we'll deliver the things to you yeah, <laughs> yeah. this week yeah. probably yeah. uh okay we'll and, try it, to and it might be what you ordered <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. What happens most of the time is they get to your house and they go, oh, I can't find where they live and just drive off. And you can see them. You can literally see them. You're like, hey, hey. And they just drive off and then they send it back to like some other part of Europe. Like they, uh, you couldn't locate your house. This happens a lot. Yeah, that, that happened already. Uh, uh, my mom received a vacuum cleaner in the elevator. So he called, <laughs> he called something in Spanish and she was like, uh, okay, <laughs> went out and that was in the elevator. So that's and just weird. to clarify, where, where, where is it? You, you're both in Portugal, is that right? No. Uh, no. <laughs> where are you? Uh, I'm uh, in uh, Loret near Barcelona in Spain. Oh, okay, right. Okay. Uh, okay. I'm in Portugal. Right. And you're yeah. in Portugal. All right. Yes, that's right. I remember from my last one. So. <laughs> Good. But yes. yes, introductions. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yes, introduction. So uh, I will start like uh, from the brief history of uh, how can I come to this idea and then mm. uh, we'll go more forward to what are we doing now with Adrian because uh, that's um, like really connected thing. Okay. Uh, I'm originally from Ukraine, and uh, the um, my first initiative was to start a community app uh, for women who struggle with infertility over there. And uh, I actually did that uh, in the end of uh, 2021, and then in February 2022, we all know all of us that uh, the war. I uh, came to my home country and uh, now the fertility issue is not the highest priority over there. Uh, and um, yeah, so uh, and also about the idea briefly, uh, that's um, that came from my personal experience. Actually, that's one of the cases where business uh, starts with solving your own problems, actually because uh, I'm dealing with infertility uh, for seven years and I had a lot of like ups and downs during that way and my mental health was 
really really down and i'm still like uh, coping with that uh, uh but uh, what i understood that uh, we have a lack of uh, of resources uh we have uh, like fertility clinics who solving the medical problem but we have lack of resources to support women on that way like uh, um on the mental health actually mm -hmm. Because it's a very um, lonely experience and it's very isolating experience and it's it's really horrible what uh, horrible what people are going through uh, this uh, in couples and uh, like women uh, in particular on their own because women tend to be more sensitive to this topic mm. uh, and uh, I started as a community scene uh, but uh, it didn't now we uh, decided to move off a little bit from the community and probably save it for later uh, because uh, I really found out uh, uh, that um, you can get uh, the proper support in the community so sometimes it's not it's not that tool that we want to give uh, people and uh, this is how we came up with adrian together uh, that's uh, um that we want to have a resource uh for uh, people that is available 24 7 that they do not need to wait a response from someone uh, that they can actually find uh, uh, a solution on their own because uh, most of the people they don't want to talk about infertility they want to hide it and that's why it's very hard to stand up and come to the community and say that yeah i'm struggling even know that it is the safest community whatever you did yeah so yeah and uh, um before uh, so i've started started in ukraine uh now it's the app is live there but it's like not like supported uh, fully so i check some time but not many uh users over there and uh, i decided to until like we are fighting <laughs> the bigger enemy uh we need to uh to postpone this uh, topic there and to move to the uh, english-speaking countries like uk and uh, united states in particular mm -hmm. uh so i um research the market there and find out that the problem is still the same even though like we have two different views like adrian will i think will tell about more about the western more western problems uh, uh in comparison to eastern one because in eastern uh, we have a lot of social pressure from parents from from society that you have to have kids you have to have it and when are you going to have it and around mm -hmm. that uh and um uh, so I found out that uh, there is a still still problem the same people are lonely in this journey and I decided to um, change it a little bit and do a very very like slight test version uh, to get some feedback so I tried to get one and uh, at that moment I found Adrian <laughs> and we started to make this journey together and uh, he really brought some very cool ideas because it's very hard and challenging uh, like uh, to uh, broaden the opinion if you have if you're the only one who's doing it and yeah. you uh, I live with infertility I'm dealing it with it and I'm my business is connected to it so mm -hmm. it's really like uh, challenging and sometimes it's limiting the the thoughts and uh, like when Adrian came we came to like 
much um, broader and powerful, I think, uh, tool. Uh, so, which we are building right now, and I'm handing over the word to Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Diana. Um, yeah, I mean, just following in from from the story of the baby and from my point of, of entry, um, I've just come out of a sort of a very big corporate technical career, and I was really looking for something that could make a difference. I wanted to make a difference in the world. Um, wanted to do work that I found meaningful, and, and I came across. Uh, Jana looking for somebody to help out on the technical side of things. Um, and yeah, the problem really struck me is, as Jana pointed out, it's sort of more the Eastern European mentality of uh, when are you going to have kids? When are you going to have kids? And I really felt that from a Western perspective, we've we've kind of gone the opposite way with that now. And it's almost like, oh, you want children, or oh, you're too young to have children. Don't think about having children. Children are bad for the planet. Like even in the last few weeks, I've had friends and people I know make these sort of very subtle comments, like, well, you know, I'm not having kids, so I'm doing my bit for the environment. Mm, and you know, I don't, yeah. I don't have children, but I find that like a sickening statement and not for the individual not reflective of them for them saying it but that mm -hmm. our society is in a place where somebody can casually utter those words and i hear it quite often to casually utter those sort of statements as if it's true mm -hmm. and and it shocked me and i thought oh wow we have such a huge problem here and mm -hmm. as, as somebody who's been a, a leader in businesses for a long time uh, worked with a lot of people it really struck me after hearing yana's story that Wow, I've never heard anybody talk about family planning in a in a professional context. Mm. Never. And I asked some you know, female colleagues about this, and their mentality was, yeah, I would never talk about that in the workplace. Never. And I thought, wow, we have a real big emerging problem here. And you know, I yeah. don't want to get too political and all of this. It's very easy for me to do that. But you know, I certainly feel like the world is also in a place where we may actually have a population problem. We have a huge loneliness and isolation problem. Infertility now, one in six people affected by this um, in, in their lifetimes. And we're not talking about it. And and all of this for me is what made me go, oh, this is this is a huge, huge problem. And I, I have to try and find a way to help. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of what, what's been led for us over the last six months has been playing around with these these ideas and talking about the infertility problem, but also realizing that it, it's an extension or mental health perhaps is an extension of that. And you can have mm. mental health problems with the idea of having a child, even if you don't actually have infertility problems or you're not yet aware of those infertility problems there is a huge possibility that during this time even if you end up getting pregnant say it takes you a year or two years there's a significant chance that you've developed mental health issues mm. in that time and then you're carrying those mental health issues into the pregnancy and then into into birth and so i really feel like we have a job here to do to try and fight this problem from earlier on in the process mm. and open up more conversation about this topic, whether it's in the workplace, whether it's in family, friends, but yeah, open up the conversation more, get people thinking about, Hey, actually, you know what? It's not that simple to have a kid. It's not just a case of, okay, we don't wear a condom this time. And nine months from now, we got a screaming baby. It doesn't work like that. Mm. And like anything we um, want in our lives, like anything we set ourselves to that's really meaningful, and like what's more meaningful than starting the family, we now more and more have to protect our mental health. And I think that the world is starting to understand that, that mental health is not just this buzzword, 
that people mm -hmm. throw out on LinkedIn, it has real consequences to, to your lives. And so, yeah, I think we're still in the phase of trying to nail on exactly what our message is to people. We know yeah. that we're currently trying to help women. We know it's the mental health side of things. And we've, it's not that we've moved away from it being infertility. It's that we know that we're trying to help people who are thinking about having a baby. Infertility, mm -hmm. all of our guidance um was helpful to that demographic in general as well as people who are specifically know they're struggling with infertility mm. and so yeah that that's kind of where, where we're at right now is building a platform that is going to help inform and, and empower our users um, help them reflect on on their current mental state and then importantly take some positive action every day to try and yeah, get them more in control of their lives. And, and, and Yana would speak to this, I'm sure, much better than I can, but I'm sure this is a feeling of no control. If you want to have a baby and you can't have a baby, that's that's a feeling of lack of control. And, and I think the most important psychological thing to do there is to try and intervene and establish some control back in people's lives. And, and I hope that's what we're gonna be doing uh, with the baby. Yeah, well, look, I mean, so much to unpack and so much I want to talk about. But thank you both for that 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 sort of introduction to to what you're doing. And and I think it's amazing. And, and look, we, we connected, Adrian, originally, but, but, you know, around this topic because of my experience with it, um, you know, vicariously, I guess, and also personally through my wife, who, you know, my wife and I had, had been trying for years unsuccessfully um, through IVF due to fertility issues on her side. And, yeah, without a doubt, it takes, like you said, you carry those mental health issues. You you definitely have a certain a trauma associated with that. Mm -hmm. I think that's just, you know, um, that's to be expected, unfortunately. And and it does carry through. And it's only now, you know, thankfully we 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 have a three month old, um, so we were successful after many many attempts. Um, but um, it's only really about now. I'm starting to see at least, and I think Anna would agree that um, she's processing that or processed it and actually starting to enjoy being a mother. Um, but I think it's always going to linger there to some degree, that's that trauma. And I think as well, you know, it's not just the trauma of um, feeling, you know, the feelings of inadequacy or feeling somewhat broken or, um, you know, even uh, sort of, you know, just, just feeling sort of uh, the feelings associated with, the idea of being infertile or having fertility issues but also the process the processes that you go through like the medical processes if so if someone does go through ivf or something like that i mean they're incredibly invasive painful um tiring procedures and processes that you have to go through um the in of themselves are traumatizing you know like just going through over yeah you know the amount of injections you've got to go through the amount of tests the amount of like all of that sort of stuff and for us initially as well we were going to a clinic in brighton which is a good 45 minutes away so taking the time off work feeling guilty for taking time off work traveling all that way and like all of this stuff and it was just you know what i mean it just all stacks on and i think the only support that she found available was on in facebook groups and as you touched on about community Anna, um there is of course great community um, support out there online to some degree but also there's a lot of shit on there right <laughs> like let's call a spade a spade like when groups of people get together they are both the best of humanity and the fucking worst of humanity by the way you can swear on this i don't care good uh, i was thinking that so much God, I'm sworn, yeah. <laughs> yeah i was i was surprised that you hadn't dropped any f-bombs during your introduction I was like, he doesn't know he doesn't know um yeah i don't care um 
but yeah, I mean, and you get the absolute fucking worst of people too, right? Because, you know, it, I mean, misinformation for one thing. I mean, the, the, the amount of people talking about pineapple was driving me up the fucking wall. Um, and, and, you know, <laughs> things like that. Like, it's just like, you know, where's, where's the practical um, scientific or, you know, help or advice? Like, there is none. It's just, it's all platitudes. It's all, you know, rubbish. But anyway, I, I don't want to sort of take over. But it's just, yeah, it was very... So, so we connected on 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 what you're doing, and and because of you know what we went through, um, and of course there is a male trauma element and mm -hmm. and, uh, and and um, you know mental health side of things that I also think um, is in no way being touched by a lot of places or even brought up as well. Um, I mean, just from the the experience of going to the the clinic, in fact, just sorry, just as a little aside, like the first time the first time we went through the process we had our first cycle every single meeting we had any professional that we were sat and talking with whether it be a nurse a, a consultant anyone they never once made eye contact with me and never once acknowledged that i was even in the room like either by saying hello goodbye or when talking through the information i just wasn't there it was all directed towards my wife anna and the way that made me feel was fucking horrendous i was like oh right so i know what i'm here for you know here's the cup go and do your thing it's like okay right thanks very much this is nice you know and then whenever i asked questions it was almost like i barely got eye contact the, the answer was to my wife it was just a bizarre experience but anyway i don't want to take over no, no, it's, it, i think it's very um, important to share that greg I, I, yeah we've yana and i've talked numerous times about the male element of this and mm. um we're not uh, deliberately ignoring it although we are to an extent in that it's like next you know it's just let's yeah. get this yeah, yeah. this first segment of it down it's more related to the honest experience but um i think it's a huge a huge thing too mm. um and men typically i'm talking generalizations obviously but mm. they're not gonna seek that help probably even even less than perhaps women would and yeah uh, there is you know there's sort of an unspoken sentiment in our society um that men are a bit disposable a bit replaceable mm. right so if the guy can't if the guy's got infertility problems which is like 40 percent of the time 50 percent of the time it's the male mm. factor to get a new guy get someone yeah. else's sperm you know it's just it's that it's that casually dismissed when i've heard it talked about in in pop culture and uh, in, in news articles maybe not in those exact words but mm. that's kind of the sentiment and to hear what you're saying there about the lack of eye contact the lack of consideration from you you can see that that's the case and i would love to help try and solve that problem like i don't have children and, and i have actually spent most of my life saying i don't want children and i think underlying through all that i've always had this sort of weird thought that one day you're going to want kids and then you're not going to be able to have them hmm. and there's something in it for me that i now start to think i, I almost had a vasectomy six or seven years ago like really, I was so determined at the age of 26. I was like, no, I'm, 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 and I, only for the fact that I was moving and didn't want to drive after the surgery the next day, I didn't do it. That's it. That's and such a, that's that's such a, that's such a man reason not to do it. Like, <laughs> like, four hour drive, I was moving yeah. to Edinburgh the next day. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, oh, I can't do this operation now. I've like, got to drive. Talk so, about decision making based on emotional uh, versus like logical thinking. Like that's, that's such a great example of that. It's yeah. like, yeah, well, I really want to do this thing, but fucking hell, it's like quite far away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So like, I, I yeah. can see how, you know, it, it, there's a huge problem there. And I think that part mm. of something I would, maybe like to come out of this actually now when I really think about it, having grown up a little bit is it's all absolutely fine I think to say not right now with family you know maybe I don't want it whatever 
Mm. But I think there should also be some sort of reasonable conversation when we have with people that say, hey, look, like, you may feel that way now and don't want to like be dismissive towards your feelings. But perhaps given that we are a species that reproduces, maybe you should like check out the evidence okay and stuff while you're while you're young. Mm. Um, because you know, I'm 30, 33, almost 34 now. I'm still obviously I know it's easier for a guy to have uh, children later, but I still think to myself, well, a few more years, you know, and then I'm gonna be an you know, older dad starting this thing for mm. a for a first child. Um, and yeah, it, it makes me start to think about, oh God, this whole this whole time I, I've been just so like dismissive, probably because of my own insecurities, really. That's what it always yeah. comes down to, right? Just project, like oh, I don't want kids, you know. And and then yeah. I'm going now. Oh, actually, yeah, that 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 biological clock thing, yeah, it's a real thing. It's not like that. People just make that up to you and say that to you for fun. Yeah. But then, yeah, I guess there must be a lot of guys in my position. There will be a lot of guys in my mm -hmm. in my position who just uh, have been ignoring this for a long time. Yeah, and but, not getting the help either. Even my wife. Um, said she never wanted kids uh so so it, until we met and that's not to be like oh you know that's because i was so amazing i swept her up her feet but like she she would she she's told that and she quite proudly tells other people like until i met greg i never saw myself wanting kids and of course i came with some baggage <laughs> i have my own uh i have a child from a previous relationship who lives with us and so i think you know um that that also opened her eyes becoming a stepmother you know um uh, sort of made her realize uh, fall in love with being a parent to a degree as well but um but you know i think that's quite like you said and you touched on about the sort of western uh or at least in the uk you know and, and some parts of the states that approach of like oh no i don't want kids i want to be free this element of wanting to stay young forever um and not have the responsibility and even this sort of the whole carbon footprint thing which is like you said really confusing to me um but uh but i think for her it was more just like she was enjoying being you know a party uh, animal and you know going out and just was like I'm never gonna have kids like that I don't want to be a slave to the monarchy and you know like all that kind of thing you know um but like you said maybe we can touch the political stuff in a bit but um but Yana I do want to address something that you mentioned obviously very very much at the beginning of what you were saying which I think we do need to to talk about which is you know where you're from and what's going on there I mean like how how uh, well first of all how are your family uh, you know just just yeah, how is everything there for, for you? I mean, is your family out of the, the situation or what, what's going on? Like, very hopefully, uh, me and uh, my husband and my family, like fr from my side, uh, mm. they are outside of the country because we okay. were on vacation uh, and we like couldn't uh, get back. I, I did once and I really don't like that. Like spending five hours under the missile attack in the subway, it's like very horrible experience. So I mm. can just, uh, I cannot imagine what are people going through there day by day. Uh, but um, uh, my mother-in-law and some of my some of my friends and relatives are still there. So hopefully safe for now. But you never can be safe when they're like missiles going every day. So mm. yeah, thanks for asking. We're trying to keep like uh, the positive vibe uh, because uh, we all hope for the best. We all hope mm. this, uh, if we can swear, so this fucking Russian uh, people go out of our country and leave us alone. That's what what actually all Ukrainian people want to want to. Just they, we don't want their territories. We don't want anything from them. We just want them to go out of our countries and um, make like have our own country rebuilt. Mm. Uh, so yeah that's <laughs> the, the thing how the things are going yeah yeah it's um 
Yeah, well, thank you for that. But uh, yeah, I, I wanted to ask just, I mean, I, th I think it's the right thing to do and, and, you know, make sure everything's okay. But also, you know, I, I, I do feel like um, the media coverage has, has somewhat dipped, um, you know, in recent months on the topic or at least changed a bit. It just doesn't seem like it, it was as, it's as detailed as it used to be, the coverage. Um, I don't know, maybe it's because I'm, I'm not paying as much attention as well to a point of me. I try not to consume too much news because it generally just puts me in a bad mood. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I think it's important to anyone that does watch this. Um, and look, I know I'm not under any illusions. I know I'm not like bringing in millions of you, uh, you know, watches or anything yet. Um, yet. Uh, but anyone who is like, I think it's important for them to know that it's still happening and it's still going on and there are still people um, you know that are actually directly affected by people and families directly affected by this so i think it's important to know but um yeah really impressive though that you you well very happy that you and your family are, are out of that situation and very impressive that you, you you're you're still a founder of a business and i hear that story a lot right you know i, I speak with a few um founders from from ukraine and it's uh, amazing how their determination just is unwavering um in the face of everything and, and you know it's just incredible I can't imagine the people who are doing the business at the same time with this yeah. uh, like blackouts. So I'm, mm. I'm in the safe place and I still had like months. I need months to recover before I started to think about getting back to business or doing something related to business. Yeah. Uh, so that was like uh, the war started in February and in summer. I, yeah. So I started to think of shaping myself uh back uh so i i can't imagine how people they they are keep going they are mm. so powerful so i'm really inspired by them yeah and i always think that you are here you are safe so you should like you should do like invest more and you you can do it so yeah it definitely puts things in perspective i suppose doesn't it i i saw a post on on linkedin the other day about uh, from a ukrainian founder that i'm following talking about you know uh the, their latest um sprint they were able to do and sort of deploy and you know the, uh, talk about the new features and there was a photo of him in a bunker and he was like all you know all coding while the shelling was happening and i was like wow that's amazing really inspiring i scrolled down and some idiot had another post and it was like i just can't start my day right if i've run out of coffee i just really can't focus on the day i was just like fucking hell like first <laughs> you know what i mean like oh yeah can't do your work if you haven't got you know, if it's not the right temperature and you haven't got the, you know, your frappuccino, it's like, but yeah, this guy, I mean, like, you know, we could, um, I think we could all learn a few lessons from this um, yeah. Uh, for, yeah. in many, many ways. But, yeah, yeah I've, I've heard uh, such um, a part of a stand-up show, a guy from Netherlands, I don't remember actually his name, that was just a short part of it, uh, where he was talking that uh, he visited Kiev and uh, since that time he cannot like put five stars for uh, the delivery guys in Netherlands. Because uh, every time the rain starts, they are stop delivering. And uh, when <laughs> when he ordered a delivery in Kiev, and there was like the missile alarm uh, shouting at the same time, and uh, he saw that his delivery guy started to speed up to, <laughs> to, deliver, <laughs> to deliver his uh, food, and yeah. he's like, "Wow, I cannot like rate them properly now." Yeah, yeah, you almost need more stars in the app. <laughs> yeah 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 like would be willing to risk their life to deliver it to you yeah yeah well yes but um yeah i thought it was important that we talk about that briefly at least um but i know it must be difficult to talk about as well so we'll, we'll move on but um uh yeah so many things that you guys said in the in the, the beginning there i just want to talk about all of it so um adrian what you mentioned about the uk's attitude towards 
family planning. Mm. Uh, really interesting because of I. So I, the only time, and this might be slightly controversial to say, but I don't give a shit. Um, the only times I think I maybe hear anyone talk about planning to have a family is from single women. Yeah. Okay. The weird statement, isn't it? And that's weird for me. And what what confuses me about that, and I maybe used to hear it when I was a lot younger, and so I had young younger friends, but especially sort of twenty something year olds, uh, single women talking about how I just really want to have a baby, and that always really annoyed me because if um, for me it's not about having a baby, it's about having a family, right? Um, so um, yeah, I don't know. When you were talking about sort of you you, you were speaking with people and you found that the attitude especially when it comes to to uh environmental impacts and so on you know you're hearing that where were you hearing that from like how were you conducting that sort of was it in a research form or was it more no no that's just like notionally from conversations with friends with right. comments i see from friends and people i know on on social media i was with a, a friend a few weeks ago who you know uttered those words of like well you know i'm I think they were talking about, God, I hope they're not a little we will, we'll be watching this, but um, they were talking about their desire to go traveling for a year. And, you know, mm. I live in a pretty hippie place, right? So people are very spiritual here, people are very environmental, which I think is really positive. It's much nicer living in an yeah. environment like this than, than living in more, you know, I live from the Northwest of the UK. It's, it's quite, <laughs> quite an aggro kind of place. So it's nice, but um, mm. people obviously have environmental concerns and rightly so, but, you know, then it's like, okay, I'm gonna go traveling around the world on, on, a, on a jet plane, you know, mm. because that, that, that's fine in my circumstance. Um, and then this kind of casual comment of, but it's okay, because I'm not having kids, so I'm not like polluting the planet. And I've yeah. seen other people make these comments. I saw somebody else I knew on Instagram a few months ago, very environmental, very like, don't harm the planet in any way. And then they're like, just bought this 40 year old Land Rover Defender um because they're very outdoorsy and then their comment was but i can justify this i know it's not good for the planet but i can justify this because i'm not having kids which i think and is I was... bullshit, right i think i mean we, we can all tran we can we can see very transparently through that excuse yes you don't want to have a kid because you just don't want the responsibility of having a kid it's got absolutely oh, no one wants nothing to with you <laughs> or no one wants to have a kid with you right yeah it's got nothing to do with the environment clearly because of like well first of all i mean i, I i'm sure we can pick apart why that doesn't make any sense anyway um, in a minute. But like, it's just so clearly, and like you said, if they're just going off and doing these other things, it's like, well, you really don't, if you really cared about the environment, you would live in a hut in the middle of the nowhere and do nothing. <laughs> I mean, there's just, and, and remain naked and live off the land and that's it, right? There's just no real way of having that impact 100%. But like, well, what, I think, sorry, yeah, go on. No, no, no. It's no Partly, you know, and we are sort of getting political and almost spiritual in this conversation, but it is part of this idea of like, we're deifying the planet, we're making the planet kind of like our god, rather mm. than some sort of humanistic or humans, you know, values that we can all align to ourselves. Mm. And so you call the planet the god, you know, and then go, well, everything we do is just destroying the planet. And therefore, having more children is just destroying the planet. But there's not a lot of science there's no science behind that actually there is a guy called marion toupe who's written a book that's on my list called superabundance um which i'm really keen to read and i know that in that he's calculated that more or less from now every child born in the world on average will generate seven times more resources than they consume mm. and i think that's a really really big statement you're generating more resources more things that other people can use more things that can benefit from mm. and have their lives sustained seven times we always had this idea, I think, through probably the last you know hundred years or so in, in 
I say pop culture, but that overpopulation was a huge problem for the world. That's what we were told for a long time. The world's going to get full and there'll be too many of us and blah, blah, blah. And then you've got people like, you know, Bill Gates a few years ago talking about this population problem and how it would be great if with a vaccine we could reduce that by a few hundred million people. Actually said those words. It's actually the thing you can see where Bill Gates talks about too many people in the world and says the words, hopefully with the right vaccines, we can reduce that number. And so you have these kind of problems, right? This is yeah. actually happening let's, in the world. Let's try and avoid any conspiracy theories. <laughs> I, I, hey, you know, I'm not in the conspiracy theory kind of mentality, but when you yeah. hear stuff like that and you watch what goes on, and you know, again, this conversation around children, right? So it's like, go and vaccinate your kids, really? Like at that age, you know, it's odd. Mm. And, and so I think that we have gotten to this point where people are also, I'm talking about all the reasons like environment, blah, blah, blah. But as you pointed out, Greg, actually they are there's undercurrents there there's insecurities within the individual which is part of that wider loneliness isolation mental health problem and they're just projecting that into whatever statement seems to align with the ideology and identity that person adopted today yeah or the popular one at the time which that is right now yeah right right yeah exactly it feels like the right thing to say in some in some respects the thing is though i mean like, what's bizarre to me about the, the like i touched on there this idea that the, the only people that tend to talk about having a child are the ones that seem to focus on the child as the accessory rather than the idea of creating a family um you know conversely you know there's this i think that that there isn't enough conversation about the philosophical um reasons to have a child you know, like, but I, I think, you know, the reason why you said like, um, and maybe even for Anna too, why we get to a point in our lives where I feel like we want to have children and Yana, maybe you, you can, you can identify with this. I don't know. Is that, you know, we generally meet someone, you know, that we want to, to start a new chapter of our life with, but we also get more um, in some ways aware of our own impending demise. Right. And there's an element of becoming aware of our own mortality that sort of, that, that I think biologically kicks something into us where we realize that our, our, our real way of having a lasting impact on the world is to remain within our children, right? And that, in a lot of ways, is the meaning of what we do. And it's, it's the meaning of all life is to reproduce and to, to, to keep your genetic code around somewhere, um, whether it, you know, and just keep that perpetuating. I mean, that is literally the purpose I mean, forget meaning, but that is literally the purpose of life is to reproduce, right? You know, so even stripping away the, the, the philosophical element, that is the biological purpose of life. Um, and I feel like we forget that and we don't talk about that enough. Um, maybe it's because it's so closely related to, to topics that some might consider morbid or depressing, but I find them to be the complete opposite. In fact, I find it quite um, optimistic and, and motivating and inspiring to, to think to try and think beyond the years of just our our life and think you know what what is our legacy going to be what are we going to leave behind you know um mm. they're quite difficult topics to to approach they, i think they are and i think they it does we, we don't like having a spiritual conversation anymore um i'm not a particularly religious person um mm. i feel like i've become more more spiritual or whatever or religious in, in recent years but we seem to have shunned that to such a point especially in the west 
mm. where it's like you know god god's dead we have there's no guiding principles at all anymore it's just all about celebrating our own individual uniqueness as like individual gods yeah and, and there's no guiding principles all and we're just so scared of that subject we've mm. got to the point where people are, and i've been guilty of this myself like writing off people who think there's a god or a religious it's like oh mm. you're dumb you're, you're, but my education around that subject was bad education because i was just taught and brought up like oh yeah there's this guy in the sky you know and like it's like your celestial butler so if you just like pray to him then maybe you'll get what you want and in more recent years i've studied religion and theology a lot more and started to see it much more from less of a yeah there's a guy in the sky kind of thing and, and more of sort of a universal set of principles in the universe and i i like that notion i think when i start to think about that i start to think about okay well if i have an impact of positively in people in the around me in my life there's no telling how that the butterfly effect of that there's no there's no way to measure the upper mm. limits of how much positivity just some small actions i can take on the rest of the world and so i do think that having a ch having children becomes kind of like an extension of that you know, it's those old religious stories, like if you can make your generations perfect, if you can have great relationships with your kids and they go out into the world and they have great relationships with people and have great relationships with their kids, the world will be a, a better place. And I think, oh, yeah, I like that idea. But we seem to be in a bit of a place where it's like, let's attack the idea of a family because it's unfair on people who family didn't work out for them or they had, you know, bad family relationships. And I've mm. seen and read articles recently about this you know people calling for the end of the nuclear family just purely because they think it's harmful to hold an ideal and again i was talking to my girlfriend about this last night in sex education kids it, for girls it's just like don't get pregnant don't get pregnant don't get pregnant mm -hmm. and because no longer are you able to say well you know if you meet the right person get married commit to each other for life imagine that get married and, and, and staying mm -hmm. together for life like what a concept wild yeah um and and have that conversation because it's discriminatory now to say yeah. that you can't say that to kids like you should be aiming for this ideal and i think that's also part of the problem we're not allowed to have ideals anymore i yeah. think they should ideals should always have tolerance built into it but we seem to be focusing now on prioritizing the fringe and all mm. that's doing is harming like the mass majority of people in my and like you said this this idealization of individualism to the extreme of like yeah everyone is so individual that you don't need to do anything like anyone else and of course the main problem with that is just like you know with the, in the group you know <laughs> if you have an or i think we touched on this before maybe or, or i had a conversation with someone recently about this it's like you know the, the the old cliche with anarchists you know as soon as you get uh have anarchists decide to to arrange a meeting to talk about anarchy they've kind of foiled their own like, uh, philosophy it's the same thing if everyone's an individual no one's an individual like now it's so easy to see people from a distance who who hold certain you know certain you know extreme let's say liberal ideas you can spot them a mile away by the way that they are dressed and like things like that you're like oh fuck you can see them coming you're like no you know and the irony in that is that they are they, they pride themselves on being so different and so mm -hmm. you know and it just i think there's nothing wrong with wanting to be part of society like there's right. nothing wrong with wanting to do what others do like we've got such a fear of like and even i had this you know, when i was younger oh no i never want to have the white picket fence and all. like we always use that term don't we it's like it's yeah, the yeah, worst yeah. thing suburban life you know you know uh, you know two point you know five kids or whatever these terms are like you said the nuclear family so scary it's like in reality there's a reason why that's popular 
it's because it's nice. <laughs> it's, it's actually good. It's good to be stable and to feel loved and to not feel lonely and to feel, have purpose. And that's the other thing, you know, purpose. purpose. That's a really important thing, you know, that we don't talk about. Family, marriage, work, you know, these things give people purpose. And we see an increase in mental health issues, I feel, because people are have an absence of purpose. And I think yeah. that's a real problem. And, and you know, children, I think, are the, 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 the delivery of ultimate purpose in a lot of ways. Um, you know, I mean, my God, I, mean, I, I was talking about, in fact, one of a couple of podcasts ago, um, funny enough, she started to, she even mentioned that she, she had originally planned, her and her husband had never planned to have kids because of they felt about, you know, they talked a lot about the, the economic impact, uh, sorry, the, the, um, the environmental impact it could have. Um, and then they came to their conclusions and realized that, that that wasn't sensible and they decided to do it. But for a very long amount of time, they thought about that. Um, but anyway, the, 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 their child was the, um, the, uh, their first child was the, the catalyst for their startup in the end. But that's a whole other story. You have to watch that episode. Uh, recently came out. Um, like and, some plug uh, in the middle. Like, you have a link yeah, yeah, yeah. up. Like, what's that episode? <laughs> yeah. Do this. <laughs> yeah, but it was a really interesting conversation. And we, talk, you know, we, we talked about the fact that how wild is it that like you can spend all your life like going back to like kids at school being taught like you know don't have kids or whatever like how wild is it though that anyone can just have a kid like mm -hmm. in theory obviously we're talking about you know there are there are those that, that can't um for, for for other reasons but like it, the, the, there's also the opposite side which is just that that actually people who, who shouldn't have kids can mm -hmm. and like even to some degree when you become a, a parent like you know you're handed over this thing and you're like there you go and you're like wait a minute I'm allowed to do this. Like I'm allowed to take this thing out. Like there's no test. Like there's no like, are you sure? I don't need a license. Like, are you sure? Like, yeah. this is the same guy that like drank himself so silly he fell asleep on the street like a few years ago. And like that's okay. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's just nuts that you can you can just walk out of a hospital with a baby and you don't get stopped by anyone. Like but the whole time I was just thinking, wait a minute, should we run? Like, you know, like, <laughs> is this allowed? But um, but I think it's interesting you brought up religion though because of Yano like Eastern Europe is obviously quite you know a, a, a lot more religious and traditional and you mentioned about the differences there in terms of expectations when it comes to family like I believe that that obviously that that does have its extremes and so it, it is good in some ways like we're talking about we could probably do with a bit more of that but it's all about balance right so do you find that what we're talking about is in some ways quite alien like in that respect and you're actually thinking no it's a good thing that you've got this this, this <laughs> like, have you got a different opinion on it uh okay so i'm from the eastern european side i would say that uh um from from my own personal experience uh that was like uh when i started when i was like uh, younger uh that every everything i heard from my parents and like you don't get pregnant don't get pregnant and that is like uh, the most horrible scene until you find that that one guy so i right. heard that, that ending uh that uh should be uh, so um and uh, uh, when uh, we got married, that we didn't have any like conversations about like environmental impact or mm. something higher than that, then we should just like, it's okay. So it's just the next step. 
So right. uh, I guess at some kind uh, we uh, in Eastern Europe we have like this built-in still still like it's a built-in stereotype that is going from the Soviet Union like this like step by step uh, thing uh, and uh, like right now I'm um, like we are having the discussions of what the children are meaning to us what uh, how the life will change and that is that is very important that is uh, also the thing that we with Adrian we want to touch in our uh app uh like or resource <laughs> we'll see how it goes uh that's uh, about the uh the not only about the infertility thing but how uh like as you told like planning for for family mm. and uh, how uh, understanding that your life will change it's really like very important thing uh so you could uh, put in there you could put in there what i said like no you don't need to run you are allowed to have <laughs> it's okay <laughs> yeah yeah so uh i think that is a very big difference mm. and right now we're only starting i've seen some youtubes uh, like uh, in ukrainian that are um about like uh, uh i want to be childless and so what and it's it's mm. only raising that it's only we're only in the beginning of that thing so uh that people are trying to uh to talk about it yeah. and actually i'm I'm totally okay with any like uh, opinion people have uh, on this uh, about like having children. I still think that uh, many many people will change their mind in future, and mm. they uh, and it's absolutely okay that uh, we see a tendency of people uh, having children in um, like more mature age. Mm. It, that is that can be even more beneficial for for children because yeah. like uh, when you are 18 years old and you're having a child and it's like you're still a child yourself you've seen nothing you haven't like a solid relationship with your partner you haven't gone through like big like fights and <laughs> and traveling and a lot of things that uh like open can can be um which open. make you make you a better more well-rounded parents yeah, basically yeah. you've got more experience you can teach and more yeah 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 i mean it makes sense i think there's obviously a sweet spot isn't there you don't want to also be in your sort of you know your your two later years because you won't be able to like you touched on adrian you know you start thinking about that you want to be able to have the energy uh to 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 to, to actually parent but um but yeah no i agree i agree yeah, sorry. Uh, so that's why I just want to finish. Uh, that's why we need to raise this conversation for people of every like age. So mm -hmm. it's okay. it's absolutely okay if you say that you don't want to have children. Just uh, know that at some point, if if something changes and you and you meet the right person, decided uh, to make it to change your opinion. Uh, you might not be able to because you are forty, mm -hmm. and the chances to get pregnant at forty is like not not that good uh, yeah and it's crazy i didn't realize that you would you are actually classed medically as geriatric um after what is it geriatric is that the right term it's, for it's older, it. yeah it's the right term for all older patients is that the right yeah. term yeah geriatric um after something crazy like 35 it's like it's crazily young uh for a woman that is um yeah. which you know it's just insane because the chances are just so much lower which is just incredible to me yeah but, and um the, the the world health organization they are state that uh, before 35 uh, you uh, it's okay if you're not having children like up to one year you're trying mm. uh, uh, but uh, not having up to one year but if you're 35 uh, and uh, over it uh, so you have only six months and then you need to go to the checkups 
So right. it's like half of the year, it's like cut. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it might even be earlier. I think it might be even 30 or something like that. That 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 in the I don't know. Anyway, but um yeah, it's it's interesting because um you mentioned about like, you know, it's okay if 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 people don't want to have kids. And you know, that's that's a good point. We should we should touch on that because I think I, I agree with you broadly on that, actually, that despite us bashing, you know, the idea of you know people not wanting to have kids or not. Actually, I think if you have actually taken the time to really consider it and you own your reasons why you don't want to have kids like saying because i just don't feel like i'm ready or you know i'm not responsible enough or mature enough um and you say and because of that i don't want to have kids i feel like i would have i have absolute respect for anyone that's made that decision like you know and and they and if they say look i may never have kids that's absolutely fine too not everyone needs to have children um if they don't want to and we should respect that decision it's an individual decision i think where i have a problem with it it's when it's it's made political um you know i think and that's that's the the issue i have especially if it's made at a, a somewhat a dig um to men which often it is too right where it's this this um which we seem to be very good at with most things these days is it seems like men are the butt of the the joke more often than not for everything um uh, now but it you know quite often it's this idea of oh no I ne i'm never gonna have kids because it's essentially a reliance on um a, a man in order for me to fulfill my own happiness or purpose um and I, and, I, and I find that uh, inc obviously incredibly insulting and, and very small-minded and stupid. Um, you know, the, the idea that- You really people... think, Greg. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is, it's ridiculously stupid. I mean, like, you know, there's nothing wrong with relying on someone else to, for some part of your happiness. Like, you know, people come together and partner all the time to be better versions of themselves in all walks of life in all different ways. Like the fact that you two in business have found one another in order to, 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 to um, create a better version of what you want to put out to the world. Like, it's the same idea. It's like, it's absolutely fine for people to say, I'm better with this person in my life and they can bring things to the table that I can't. And to say that I am perfect as I am and I'm the only thing that I need, I think is incredibly egotistical and self-centered. Mm -hmm. um, so unless you're able to say, I don't want to have kids because I know I'm not quite ready because I have things to work on and being honest, which is true for everyone, right, by the way, then I don't think that's a good enough reason to say it. Like, let's not blame it on that or, you know, like the environment worries or anything like that. But um, but yeah, I think there is there is some some credence to the idea of I think people so. saying I want kids. I think there's still an underlying sort of problem in in what people say. I don't mean like a critique of what, what they're particularly saying, but like someone like me, I've had a lot of mental health challenges in my life. I'm autistic and that typically comes with a certain kind of brain that thinks a lot, shall we say. Mm -hmm. And so one of the reasons I've always kind of openly stated in my life is I don't want kids because I wouldn't be able to deal with it. I wouldn't be able to deal psychologically with the worry with any combination mm -hmm. of things just like if i see an infant running around a house that i'm in the terror that exists in me that they're going to just fall over and smash their head directly on the yeah. sharpest piece of anything um and literally just the thought of, of that terrifies me um mm -hmm. and now in the, you know, the last few years a much better place everything mental health wise i've been quite quite through quite a journey in the last 10 years or so and 
I'm that's partly why I'm now more open to the subject because partly what we talked about in terms of purpose, you know, that I started to see that as a much more important thing, but also realizing that okay, I I can have a better grasp on myself and my on my mental health, and maybe even that might make me better prepared to 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 be a parent. I don't I don't know, but what you were saying there, Greg, about people's not not being ready, not wanting it for these reasons, I still hear a lot of mental health problems basically and what those people are hypothetically saying to, to some degree we just, yeah. Ignore yeah. we just ignore it we, we just say like well I mean, why it depends know? how you define like mental health issues i mean like what you touched on there to me like there are others out there who you know maybe don't have a diagnosis or maybe don't need one but just yeah. they are just overthinkers right um like i myself am overthinker i'm not diagnosed for anything i probably should be we touched on that in another episode as well <laughs> where we we realize i might have adhd um but um but, but, you know, there's a lot of us that, that, that go through that, and a lot of people that go through that. And, and really, it's just, I think it's a level of maturity that comes over time that you start to understand yourself the way you think. You maybe temper it a little bit. You learn to balance your overthinking and maybe relax and, and reduce those anxieties and learn that things aren't as big a deal as you're making them out to be. And over time, uncertain, you get more comfortable with uncertainty and mm. and things like that and and that's when you know and you, you can only do that through experience you know you you have to go through a certain amount of experience in your life um where you, you have experience and i think you know things like the the global pandemic pandemic actually really matured a lot of us um yeah. in uh in in the sense that we we become very comfortable or a lot more comfortable i should say not very but a lot more comfortable with the idea of uncertainty which is something that drives us a lot a lot of us crazy is, is we, we all want to predict the future and obviously we can't and that's the main cause of a lot of our anxieties um especially for those that are hyper anxious you know and i think that's just maturity i mean that's basically what maturity is yes there are there are there are mental health issues that could be associated with a lot of people but i think broadly speaking it's just about levels of maturity you know, sure. you know I, mean? I think there's like the step of the step of maturity is or in my opinion, one of those steps is I no longer blame the world for the problems in my life. I'll, I'll put yeah. those problems on myself. Yes. I think that's the the disease or the sickness, if you like, of the very liberal uh, mentality 100%. in the West is yeah. that everything is the world's problem. Not There's nothing wrong with me here. The primarily, world be... primarily white men's problem. Yeah, yeah, I definitely <laughs> racks on that for a long time, but like yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. always never my problem, right? And that yes, to me yeah, is yeah. a mark of maturity in somebody's lives. When I talk to them, if I think, okay, when you talk about the problems in your lives, are you expressing your feelings? Are you expressing what's going on? Or are you just projecting some kind of, oh, everything's so unfair? Cause like, yeah, everything's really unfair. Like, grow up. You know, grow yeah, up, yeah. get on with it. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and I think yeah, yeah. that um that's that that is that maturity step. And I think mm. all those words we were talking before of this problem, that problem, it's just this like helpless, scared thing of like oh, the world's horrible. And I think that's a really it can be right, but I think that's the sad thing to think like the world is the problem because you can't change the world, or you might be able to change a little bit if you're if you're special, you know. But you can't really change the world, but you can change you. And yeah. so what, on, what a depressing thought to think that like, well, the world's terrible. I can't do anything about it. Mm. Um, and so I'm just going to be, it's going to be terrible for the rest of my life. But that, you know? but that is changing the world. 
because if, I think, you know, if everyone sits around being selfish and thinking that the fault is everywhere else, then, of course, then the world is going to be selfish and it's going to be everyone else's problem. But if, if people take accountability for themselves bit by bit and realize that this this extremist leftist sort of view and it's both on, on both sides, I mean, extreme leftist and extreme right, um, you know, everyone else is at fault. Um, if, if if they sort of take that and, like you said, be more reflective and, and, and focus on improving themselves. And, and, and I mean, the most difficult part of that is acknowledging what is wrong. Right. That's mm. the most difficult part. But if, if people were to take the time and focus on that, their energy on that, than say, you know, going to a protest about something entirely irrelevant and pointless. Um, and I'm not saying all protests are. There are some very important things that need to be protested, but there is some stuff that really just is. Um, <laughs> um, like big oil, like fucking hell. But anyway, um, you know, there are some things that just, you know, you, if, if you were to focus on that, then, then you are doing your part, in my view, to improve the world. That, that is making a difference because, if, you know, just, just like we talk about charity starts at home, well, so does improvement and, mm. and so does improvement of society. You know, you can't claim that there's a problem with society. You are part of society. If you're saying society is at fault, well, that's you're, you're calling yourself out. So do something about it. And removing yourself from it or claiming that you remove yourself from society by saying, well, I'm not going to do things like everyone else does. Like we've already touched on. If everyone does that, then you're all in the same fucking boat and you're all part of society. You know what I mean? Like just it doesn't take a rocket science to figure these things out. This is basic logic here we're talking yeah, yeah. about. You know, what I, mean? I think I asked you before, Adrian, have you watched the film Idiocracy? No, I have not watched it. Not have to my knowledge, you, anyway, but I've watched a lot, that, yeah. lot of films. No. Okay, I think you both need to watch that film. It's not It's <laughs> not necessarily an amazing film. It's quite old at this point. I think it's like it was released in the 90s. It's got like Terry Crews in it and a few other people you've recognised. Surprisingly, for this quite low-budget, like, unknown film, it's actually got quite a few famous people in it. And it's a, it's a kind of sci-fi comedy. And basically, the premise of it is that uh, this guy from present day somehow i can't remember exactly how i think he gets like cryogenically frozen or something um and then he wakes up in the future and the future is just in populated by entire idiots like the the iq the the average iq dropped and the the, the president of america is terry cruz he's a gun like he holds machine guns he's like shooting in the air like that it's just anarchy it's just nuts no one knows how to do anything basic and he obviously comes along and is revered as a god because he knows like just how to do base. And he's just an average guy, but he's got like common sense. And, you know, and so he's hailed as like this big thing. And the reason that they give as to why the, the society went this way is why I think you'll enjoy it. So the reason they give is because um, stupid people don't worry too much about having kids, but intelligent people take their time, they plan. And in this world, they never had them because they were planning so much that they ended up, you know, not having the opportunity and kind of aged out. So more stupid people were born and less intelligent people were born. And then you had this well. And I thought that was such a beautiful, uh, yeah. So, <laughs> so watch it. It's my recommendation. It's the less less serious version of Children of Men. Okay, I haven't seen that either. But oh, you haven't seen that? Getting a list. Uh... A list of films coming from this. I never thought oh. I'd come away from a podcast with a list of films to watch. Hey, look, I, we talk about everything on this this this, yeah. this this show, if you can call it. I call it a show, like I'm some sort of big time. <laughs> um, have you seen that, Yana? Children. No. Of so no. that's an, that's an incredible movie. I mean, talk about um, talk about. I mean, this is a serious movie. It's um, mm -hmm. uh, got oh, what's his name in it? Uh, a very a very famous British actor. Um, beautifully directed it's got one of the most um heart-pounding 
one take scenes in in any movie in my opinion but essentially it's um it's about the idea that the, it's based on a very famous book of the same name um uh, it's based on the idea that in the not too distant future around the world um all women become infertile mm-hmm. and can no longer have children um and so uh, the whole world essentially can't have kids uh so um, and then it follows the story of the the first child it's all this because of obviously the world has, has fallen into chaos um the uk is uh is basically kicking out all foreign um uh, foreigners essentially we become very very uh authoritarian and it's quite scary how you see these sort of things happen in, in other ways we create concentration camps we round up people who aren't british nationals um and you know get get rid of them because of resources are low we're trying to get rid of people so it's all based in the uk in london um but the the main story thread follows um essentially this this underground group of like freedom fighters who managed to acquire a newly born baby and a mother um and it's this idea that there is this sort of semblance of hope that somehow maybe the world is correcting itself um and this this guy's tasked with kind of getting this person to a location through a war zone essentially um so it's a yeah it's a great great film i highly recommend it um especially like Orwellian like, like almost like a 1984 kind of George Orwell style style story yeah but it's it's fairly recently made um early 2000s mid 2000s i think but uh, but yeah it's it's that that orwellian type uh, mm. i can't remember who the book is um, written by maybe while we're talking I'll, i'll find it but uh, yeah highly recommend it um yeah but i mean especially on the subject of of, of how we deal with with these sort of societal um issues right actually it's very cool i see that uh, you're talking about uh, the uh, uk like um, films uh, and uh, that is very cool that they are highlighting this points uh, like this pain points uh, because uh, i can i couldn't find anything like that uh, uh, high quality in the united states uh, among the united states films and series mm-hmm. because uh, i also uh, watched the uk series uh, which is called trying which is actually like uh very it's it's uh, recent I, i think it's 2020 or 2021 so okay. uh and it's about uh, the couple who is trying to make a baby and they they are literally like filming all the process that people are going about that with the, when they deal in with infertility and so on mm. and it's uh, so it's uh, I, i really see a big value of those um, like uh, even uh they uh, this Uh, I watched that because of uh, the professional interest <laughs> I mm. would say uh but I thought I think that a lot of people would watch this uh, just uh, as a regular evening um, uh series and that is cool it is rising like uh, the bringing the attention and rising awareness which is very mm. important because as you said that uh I see that it is very um like right now what we have in Ukraine also uh we have uh not because of war but before that we have a very decreasing number of of uh, young population uh, which is like lack of children and we have uh, a lot of uh, people of uh, mature and uh, older age uh, mm. and uh, at some point if this if this is will gonna like will decrease uh, with time that nobody will be able to work and pay for the <laughs> pay for the social um, and securities and everything like that for elders yeah. and 
that is also like uh, that is impacting the economies uh, in huge so it's not only like the environment thing it's really about the the resources that we, as we said earlier mm. so it's it's an economical thing that that yeah. brings in, in my mind after you mentioned that uh, yeah about the foreigners <laughs> kicked out and mm. yeah yeah it's really horrible it's really yeah. a, a depressing subject when you read the the studies on population decline but how you know we apparently would due to get to about 9 billion people and then it's going to start going backwards mm. uh, at that point and like I see this in, in Portugal where I live now if you look at any of the sort of more manual labor jobs and I don't want to be like dismissive that I mean like even car mechanics engineering jobs like the, the guys going and fixing the elevators or the escalators somewhere they're all like they look in their 60s minimum mm. but you don't see younger people doing these jobs and I've read a great book by a woman called Temple Grandin recently, um, who is an incredible lady. She's in her seventies now, but she had a career around designing um, how cattle is handled for like McDonald's and Burger King. And she's mm -hmm. autistic as well. And she thinks, I guess, in a similar way that I do in very much like pictures. And that's mm -hmm. what enabled her to sort of see how these cattle handling processes were, were bad. But in this book, she talks a great deal about how the education system has um, not helped us, I guess, in, in a lot of ways, and has filtered out a lot of people who uh, would have done these roles and coupled that with just a, a general population decline or the, the uh, decline of growth in certain countries that infrastructurally, we're, we have a big, big problem ahead of us in the next 20, 30, 40 years, because mm -hmm. there aren't going to be the people to run the networks. Like I, I drove across Europe last year and I was just stunned to realize, like I know I've thought this before, but like all these highways, these bridges that I, I drove over, the, um, the machinery, the technology, the work, the workmen on the side of the road, and to be political for a moment, I say workman, because like it's all men, who are out there doing these horrible, terrible jobs, hanging mm -hmm. on these islands, in the sewers, cleaning out, you know, chip, literally, right? Mm -hmm. These guys, like, they're not your oppressors, right? There might be, Bill Gates might be your oppressor, and he might be a man, you mm -hmm. know, but these guys are out there just being told constantly that they're fucking worthless, yeah. whilst running your whole economy, and younger and younger people are just going, no, like, I'm not going to go shovel shit. I'm not going to go build something. I'm going to go be a coder, you know, and yeah. that, that's great. That's required too. But our education system is also just cutting people off, people who think like I do, which is not great necessarily with, with words and patterns. It is much more picture-based. Mm. Um, and yeah, we, we have this huge, huge problem from our society of what's going to be lack of children. But mm. so many problems, lack of poor, poor education as well in there. Like we don't seem to know how to educate anymore and it feels mm. to me like we're in a position where the governments are saying yeah yeah just hand over the kids to us we'll educate them in fact no mm. you shouldn't be educating them parents actually you're not allowed to have a say in how mm. they're being educated and i'd say that's the, the second or maybe actually now the first biggest thing that still makes me say i'm not sure i want kids because but, I'm then terrified the but, education then, system. but then there's a lot I wanted to say about that, but I think this is the most important one I want to pick up on because I hear that a lot. The state shouldn't be the ones to raise our kids. We should be the ones to raise our kids, right? Mm. Essentially, it's that sentiment. But um, but parents also don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, like, you know, who is really best placed 
actually. I mean, yeah, okay, because I, 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 I don't buy into this. So, you know, like the ideas of, of um, like, you know, oh, I don't want everyone having my information and, and all this. I don't care. I, you know, I, you know, I don't care about you know big government, big data to a degree. Uh, you know, as long there's obviously a limit where you know it starts infringing on my my rights. But at the same time, we need to have organisations who are taking a considered, measured, and scientific approach. And and I'm not saying that they're doing that, <laughs> but 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 to education and and but surely those that are in the best place to deliver that are governments, not parents, because as we've already talked about, groups of people put together in a community are fucking atrocious after a certain <laughs> point. And the loudest voices are usually the wrong voices to listen to. So in actuality, if you were to get parents and try to try and govern the educational system, it would become an, an inherent nightmare. And it, to some mm. degree, we're already seeing the results of that as parents are becoming louder and saying what they want their kids to. I mean, isn't that actually what a lot of the problems are stemming from, that we're teaching this sort of, this, um, th th this uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, uh, Fuck the words left my head, but this sort of sense of entitlement. I think you know, a lot of it comes yeah. from parents, doesn't it? Maybe. I, I, look, I, I'm not saying that my solution. I don't. Firstly, I don't have a solution. I, mm. I, I, I'm moaning about something. Well, I, that's I what we're here for, Adrian. That's what right. We're here exactly. For. We're yeah, yeah. A solution that we're yeah. going to figure it out, and then we're going to sell it to the government. <laughs> so I, I think that the government should be involved, and, and by necessity, one of their yeah. jobs should absolutely be education for, for children yeah. i don't believe that they should be um solely responsible for that i believe if, if we actually had something that represented much like democracy if, if that existed there might be a, a channel that we actually collectively as a society were able to better have a say for example in the curriculum and what our kids are taught and you know some room in there for oh, navigating not exactly a specific um curriculum but like one of the things i thought yeah. recently is like we two things that we have to separate in, in my opinion in the world is our social lives from work i don't mean you can't have social interactions in work what i mean is that my whole life work was my primary social vehicle and i don't mean mm. like making friends i mean like literally just human interaction was yeah, work. Yeah. I, that's gone like remote work killed that now in the process of like with friends around here who do different uh, jobs, hiring our own space to have our own mm. remote working um, place, basically. And I think this idea will, will advance. And in terms of children, we like the biggest argument I always hear about centralized uh, education for children. No one ever talks about the education because education is shit. I'm sorry. I know a lot of teachers. Mm. You're all fantastic. Education in schools has been terrible they, for 15 they do years. The, they, they do the best with best. what they've got. But it, exactly right. But it, it's terrible. And so I think we have to, but the, the, the strongest argument I ever hear from people is the kids have to be socialized. Yeah, I understand that like, they have to be socialized. So how do we separate uh, education from socialization as like the primary reason why you're sending your kids to school is to be socialized? How can we organize in our societies groups where kids of similar ages can come together and socialize in a non-educationary perspective but also mm. where that makes sense in an educational perspective and then work with our governments to help define what we want and how we want to educate and how we can do that at the most decentralized local level as possible and i yeah. think that would help people like me feel like i have control because that's we talked about control before right mm. that's a big barrier for me i, I i'm all very scared of the lack of control that bringing a child would have into my life and mm. then the idea of giving that control over to a government who i'm very distrustful of 
and I've spent my whole life being extremely like, like I haven't voted for Cisco all my life. I voted once. I've always been very like, you don't have democracy. This isn't, you're being tricked. Globalization, your interests are not being represented. Now, mm-hmm. those, those uh, opinions were once very controversial. I've been shouted at and screamed at by colleagues for saying mm-hmm. these things in the past. Now everyone's like, oh, the government does lie to us. Oh, wow. That's, the thing I is though, right? Coming. <laughs> the thing is, I so you, you said that and it's like, yeah, of course. For me, it's like, yeah, of course. I, whenever I heard people talk about that, even growing up, I was like, well, yeah, of course. Obviously, like, yeah. Have you not, have you, like, and the, what I always point to is just pick up any book about sociology or about, you know, from, from past philosophers um, or economists. And throughout history, it's very clearly laid out in writing that for thousands of years, human beings have been trying to find ways of controlling societies, right? Mm. And you might think, well, that sounds horrible. How dare they want to control us? And I think, of course, you want to control it. You've got millions of people. You need to control millions of people in order to have a functioning country. And unfortunately, part of that, as you find out when you're a parent too, or when you run a business, occasionally you need to tell little white lies. And and the thing is, though, if you scale that up to a country, well, they they become bigger lies. They become corruption and they become everything else. So when people talk about this and they like act surprised by it, I'm like, well, of course. Is that what's the alternative? The alternative mm. is ultimate corruption, um, and you know, uh, a dictatorship or whatever, or you know, everyone's running around killing each ultimate other. Freedom. Ultimate freedom, ultimate freedom. Yeah. So, the way I see it is, yeah, it's not ideal, but it's what we got, and it ain't that bad. Like, you know, what uh, I mean? well, yeah, like, that's I, I don't agree, in some like... ways, I'm kind of resided to it. I'm just like, but like no one's no one's ever been trying to pollute the wool over our eyes here though i don't think and this is the thing that i, I sort of I, I don't think, think it's the, i think it's all there. if you go to a library it's there if you go on the internet it's there it's like it's always been there like if you went to go and study politics in those in the degree throughout the years of studying they will be very open about the fact that you know there are all these different attempts throughout history of trying to build societies mm. and a lot of them failed a lot of them succeeded this is the one we're trying and yeah it's not great sometimes we have to do some dodgy shit but you know, it's the best of the worst kind of thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like for me, it's just always, it's always that kind of transfer. Oh, yeah. but, but, and to go back and to the religious story is the same, right? They, they take even like, um, like the second book of the Bible, Exodus, is that the yeah. whole subject of it is basically like things get corrupt, people lie, yeah. dictators will appear, will appear, and you, you know, we need to kind of rid our society of those. And I, I guess my kind of problem with like, well, that's it, and that's not to say you should just give up and not try and fight it. You should always try and prove it. But it's, but to some degree, you've just got to be yeah. like, okay, but this is that doesn't mean the whole thing's shit. And no, that, like a lot. And that's that's the thing that I get annoyed about is when people say, oh, I want to burn it all down and we need to yeah. just do, do something different. It's like, well, no, actually, we do a lot of really amazing things. Like mm. you're very lucky to have the things that we have. And like I said, look at history. This is the best of the worst. And we're still learning. And if you can either be part of the solution or you can be part of the problem. And saying we want to burn it all down is being part of the problem, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah. Because then you are just an anarchist or a terrorist. Like you're not actually taking part in actively trying to improve it. And unfortunately, if you want to improve something, you do have to acknowledge that a lot of what it does is beneficial and it's mm. good. And that the intentions there, for the most part, are positive. Um, you know, the vast amount of politicians, I think, while they are somewhat dim-witted, um, do have good intentions. But there are, of course, a, 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 a not not too insignificant handful that don't have good intentions, of course. Um, but that's the same with literally any group of people, especially yeah, yeah. A group of people within power. 
But just to really briefly go back to what you were saying about schools, though, I think personally that the, the problem that, that there's two main problems that you touched on as well. The first is um, that the attitude towards what school is for is wrong. Like you said, mm. that it's to socialize. No, it's not. It's to educate yeah. our kids. They're there to learn. And I, I regularly remind my son about this. So, you know, what do you go to school for? To learn. Right. So when you walk in through those gates, switch the brain on, you know, you're there to learn. Focus. The times you turn that off and you can have fun, lunchtime, break time. But then when you're back in that class, you turn it back on and you show respect. And that isn't taught to them for fear of mm. overstepping. And I think, back to my point about why I don't think it's a good idea for parents to be too involved, the reason that happens, from what I understand, is mostly parent pushback. Yeah. You're being too strict on my children. You're not letting them be children. You're not letting them have fun. I'm sorry, but actually, they're there to learn. Fun time is break time. That's when you run around and have games. Or if they decide to have a day of playtime, which is good too, like you said, uh, finding that balance. But that's what they're there for. But then the other problem, in my opinion, is the curriculum. It takes too long for new ideas to filter through the system um, and update. Like, yeah. you know, it takes way too They're only now starting to teach coding in school, for fuck's sake. Yeah. You know, things like that and social issues and, and all, all these other things. Like, it, it's taking too long for new ideas to filter into, for into sure. the curriculum. Like, so that, yeah, and for me, have that it's a decentralization problem, isn't it? It's that because everything's so centralized and that's my criticism of, ed of the education system is that it's a centralized system and that right. it's the government that is in control of that and they're grossly incompetent. Maybe it should be more regional, you know? Yeah, regional. yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I say decentralization, I don't actually mean that to like the individual level, like, like yeah. everybody should have direct opinion on everything that we do because like, yeah, actually like myself included, we're all fucking idiots about so many things. And so how do we find the way that we can elect leaders? I don't want to put elect, I mean generally elect, get rid of the air quotes, like elect leaders on subject yeah, yeah. rather than like, because my, my big criticism, we're kind of going off piece a little bit, but when I we talk about not voting, like, and people really hammered me about this over years, about you've got to play your part in, in democracy. And my criticism to people be, okay, so tell me about your voting experience, your political um, contributions in the last five years. You showed up on one day, put an X next to a box of somebody who you actually don't know their name, but that person's name is associated with a party who you're just voting in the leader to be basically give over your political opinion to someone else for five years. That's what 99% of people do. They don't actually even engage mm -hmm. in politics. They just do what they think is like letting them say, oh, I play my part in society. I would like to see it at a point where we could actually elect people at local levels on subjects that they are actually experts on mm. and have, you know, hopefully have a society run a little bit better. You only have to look at what happened with the pandemic and I'm very careful my words so we don't get some COVID information warnings from the World Health Organization and all of this. But you only have to look at what our governments did in response to that and now go on go on the Rogan podcast or whatever and talk about the experts who are saying, yeah, you know, if you have like a virus, um you know spreading the worst thing you can do is vaccinate people in that time and the worst thing you can do is put people together in that moment and keep everyone in one place look at what happened in portugal where i live really aging population vitamin d funny enough is a really really good like thing for your life right portugal really a long living population get a load of vitamin d what do they do they put them into their moldy damp houses lock them in there and then all the old people die and it's mm. like what a shock like I'm yeah. not a virologist and I can tell you, you see, tell you it's obviously going to happen. So we don't have see, a good my, system. My opinion on that is 
that people are largely incompetent, <laughs> right? And that generally speaking, groups of people who claim that they know what they're doing and they're in charge have no fucking idea what they're doing when the shit hits the fan. I don't think, and this is my theory when it comes to most conspiracies, I don't think people are intelligent enough for half of the conspiracy theories no. that are out there. Yeah. And when it comes to COVID and, and all that, I, I think it's the same thing. Yeah. I think it is a state of panic. I don't think it was, oh, let's sit, let's sit down. What would happen if we put everyone indoors? What would happen if we did this? It's not some evil plan. Yeah. It was just like, fuck, there's a virus. Everyone's getting ill. And when they're together, they get ill. Everyone stay at home. That's the best solution. That's, that's it. We need to come up with a plan. Everyone's pressuring us to come up with a plan. That's the plan. I don't think it's as complicated as, as no, people no. want to make that. I think we prescribe way too much intellect to the people. Like, you know what it's like. You run your business. We know mm-hmm. what it's like. You're so, just like the whole walking out with a kid thing. You're like, what the fuck? I'm allowed to do this. It's like, yeah, wait, yeah. I'm allowed to run a business. I'm allowed to employ people. I'm allowed to be responsible. Shit hits the fan. You're like, oh, I've got no idea how to deal with this. Like, I'm. this is way out of my, but I'm going to have to come up with it. You know what I mean? Like, it's the same for everyone. We're all in the same boat here. You know, it's we, we get ourselves into situations that we're not equipped for, and we try to do the best that we can. You know, but for I think the that's most part of our problem, we're most. trying to solve here with the baby, right? Yeah. It's like actually, we're all pretty fucking incompetent. Right? Nice segue. Like, nice segue back to the to baby. <laughs> that was I, I had all these things I wanted to share in my head that were nothing to do with this, and just push the wraps. So I was like, okay, I'm going to bring it back. I'm going to bring it back. But yeah. if we're all so fucking incompetent, which like we are to a to a degree, to a degree, yeah. and you can see within crisis, yeah. Yeah, well, but not not just in living. I like I sometimes in my day to day life is super incompetent at basic shit. Like I can forget <laughs> to breathe sometimes, you know. Like I'm really bad at that. So, yeah. like I don't have I have some confidence in my ability and, and the lack of it in others. And you, when you see this incompetence from your business leaders sometimes, and you see this incompetence from your governments. So yeah, as you talked about, oh God, I'm allowed a baby. And so pre that you having the baby, imagine all of the thoughts that are kicking around in one yeah, head, yeah. right? Because we, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of psychology and Jana has to hear me um, talk about some of these, you know, subjects in depth in, in our calls. But if you think about us as, as anxious creatures, you know, we're able to project, we know we're going to die, right? So we have a, a vision of the future, which separates us from, from basically all the other animals, but also means is that we can feel anxiety for the future. And our bodies aren't that smart to know the difference between anxiety now and anxiety of something that's happening. It's the same mm. physiological response. The same chemicals are, are released when I think of something bad happening as when yeah, something is bad. Flight, right? right, exactly. You go into that same mode, you get the cortisol hormones pumped into you when you think about it. So imagine sat there thinking, I want a baby and, and like projecting the next 20, 30 years of your life plan, significant things, right? That's really significant. A whole whole brain is geared towards focusing on a target and moving towards it. That's how you get dopamine. That's how you feel happiness. So if you have this really big target and you feel happiness, the amount of happiness you feel in relation to the size of your goal, which also means you feel the appropriate amount of anxiety in response to the size of your goal and your lack of progress towards it. So we know we're incompetent. We have this huge, meaningful goal, massive, meaningful goal in our lives. And then we start to realize we're incompetent. Because it doesn't happen. It's such an easy measure, right? Very simplistically. I want a baby. No baby coming. I must be incompetent. And then all the stuff around you is like saying, yeah, everyone's fucking incompetent. And then guess what? There's no help. There's no one actually like giving you a succinct, coherent way of like, okay, 
here's how you can get some opinions on this. Here's how to look out for this. Here's how you can see there's going to be different opinions. And, you know, someone's going to tell you to take a pineapple and that's going to get you pregnant, you know? And, <laughs> Fucking pineapples. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, don't get me started on pineapples. <laughs> we actually thought about using the pineapple as our symbol, right? Yeah, oh, God. Use- like finally but yeah but we're i was uh testing how to visualize the, the d with the pineapple <laughs> and adrian used that in the app uh, yeah. which looked pretty nice so i said yeah okay let's stick with that because uh um like uh, when i started i was uh, like uh, doing with this dealing with uh, perfectionism thing right i need to do something like uh, perfectly so mm. that's why i was <laughs> pineapple okay asking me Wait, so is that is that still the logo in the app uh no like it, a background screen there's like some pages where there's oh, like tiny so little... sorry, be... no 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 no, no. Okay, so, so i'm gonna clarify we put so jana showed me that that said the symbol of infertility is a pineapple and she yeah, showed me yeah, this yeah. image of like a the d from the baby with a pineapple coming out of it and i was like i can never look at pineapples the same way yeah. and then for as a bit of a joke when i was building some of the um journaling elements of the apps I'd seen some other, like WhatsApp, you know, if you look at WhatsApp, you have all these yeah, little yeah. images and, like in the background, they're super small. You can't really see them, but it looks kind of nice. So mm. I just put loads of really small pineapples behind it for a bit of a joke and showed Yana. And we looked at me like, actually, it kind of looks, looks all right. But I don't know anything about this pineapple thing. Like Yana, yeah. what, what the fuck is up with pineapples? and <laughs> Yeah, explain it, explain it to us. Uh, okay, it is a legend. <laughs> Uh, that uh, after um, after having sex, if you eat a pineapple, like if you're gonna eat a pineapple every day for 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 some time, uh, that can help to conceive because of some. Uh, I actually tried not to go deep into that because I, uh, eventually we ending up with uh, tarot readings <laughs> yeah. for fertility. Yeah, but uh, it's there really- is no yeah. research like that backs yeah. at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so you have to eat a pineapple to that uh, can help you to conceive uh, and that is why it was uh, uh, i thought i think that it's in uk it's official like uh, the symbol of infertility and that's yeah. why yeah so. and for me that is horrible because for <laughs> for, for a as, like we've talked about now for a while it's a serious issue it needs serious solutions and yet a pseudoscientific um, solution is being held up as an icon for quite a serious topic. And for me, that is fucking stupid. Like, <laughs> there's no other way to explain that. Like, okay, there might be some research out there that someone's going to say to me at some point, you know, oh, you're an idiot, Greg, you don't know what you're talking about. There's research. Yeah, I'm sure there is. There's, there's always research to back up every stupid idea. But the vast consensus within scientific research is that it has absolutely zero impact on fertility, aside from perhaps the uh, the, the psychological impact. Placebo right? effect, yeah. The placebo effect. But my wife used to take in pineapple every time we went to the, all kinds of things. She wore pineapple. She had socks with pineapples on like she for a little while. And then about two or three years in the journey, she abandoned all that when she realized difficult to do with pineapple like it's just yeah there needs to be a better a better sign and i i want to i want to open up a topic here on on like treatments and in particularly 
I thought you were going to say like a fruit-based discussion. Let's no, 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 no. We're going to stay on fruit. We're going to stay on fruit and plants. Like, <laughs> okay. Again, I, I live in uh, the wild white west of Europe. Um, yeah. Very, very, you know, a hippie spiritual kind of place. And, and plant medicine is, um, I think, here, right? And I've, I actually go to plant workshops on a regular basis where we drink teas made of plants and we talk about the history of the plants right and yeah. this was almost like a traumatic experience for me a few months ago um we went there and we didn't know what plant we were going to be drinking and she had nettles on the table and i i'm i'm from wales right it's the wettest country in europe 300 days of rain a year nettles are everywhere now they they guard the entrance to where the fairies live that's really important. Mm. That's why that's why the nettles are there. Um, but she put this nettle in front of me, and I'm like traumatized. I've been stung by these things so many times. And apparently yeah. we're gonna drink this as a tea, right? Wild. And so we drank the tea, and it was really, really nice. You know, it was actually super soothing on my throat. Mm. And I'm a smoker, and so I my throat is often um not soothed. And I really, really enjoyed the experience. And we talked about the folklore of it, and you know, it has this sort of symbolism with uh serpents and with lightning and you know people used and drank this for thousands of years and mm. so i am of the basic opinion of like well our ancestors weren't fucking idiots right they didn't have the science no. and the tools that we have no no come on hear me out <laughs> these things these some things are only only exist around yes yes of course, <laughs> yeah, of course. but yeah, if yeah. they you know if they were all idiots and we're here now then like what's that say, say for yeah. us right yeah, yeah, yeah. and again i'm not going on like a plant plant workshop or medicine kind of rant here that it's all very good but i'm curious about the fact that for thousands of years and we've tried all these different um uh plants and stuff and it's really interesting we go we take a sip of it and we all go around the room we we share what it made us think of what it made us feel and then the person running the plant workshop talks about the history and what it was used to treat and it's like wow it's used to treat all the things that you were talking about here and was designed to invo not design what invokes those kind of feelings and i guess what i'm getting at is that partly because of the desire to be very, very scientific. We have entirely also um, neglected a, a method of treatment, or when we use that method of treatment, we try to use it in the same way as we would a pill. So someone mm. says to you, pineapple, oh, we take pineapple, it's gonna get you pregnant. Like take it every day, three times a day with lunch, you know, it's, it's ridiculous, right? But when mm. I hear a story of people using these things and wearing socks and stuff, I see symbolism, which I think is beautiful. I see emotional anchoring, which is a, a fantastic psychological technique to help people ground themselves and stay connected to what they're doing. The problem I think becomes is because we are a bit dumb and we oversimplify things into this mm. idea of like, oh, the pineapple is gonna cure you. But I'm still sort of concerned that we, in the last, hundred years or less through big pharma, through people incentivized. There's, there's no reason, there's no money researching pineapples, right? So we can say there's, there's no good, no research that's, that proves it, but nobody's doing that. Like the same way nobody's doing research that proves that to a large no, degree they, shows vitamin D. You know what I mean they're, though? The funny thing is it costs millions to do like a double blind trial. Nobody yeah, is doing yeah. the required level of research on plant medicine. And again, I'm not being like a huge advocate for me. I don't take any person, so but I feel like that conversation is. Yeah, so my my opinion on this is quite a straightforward one. They're not doing the research now on a lot of these things because they already did it, right? And what I mean by that is, my, you know, I, I quite often hear and uh, this discussion about sort of plant-based medicine, natural remedies and all that kind of thing. Um, a lot of them do work and we know they work because they are now medicine. Hmm. That's it. 
like for me that, that that's the end of the that's the end of the subject in a way because it's like we we've we did that we used the scientific method we we looked at these 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 um medicinal uh herbs or barks or whatever we studied them over a period of many 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 years the ones that worked and were proven to work consistently with minimal side effects um became medicine the ones that didn't remain in the shops that sell medicinal herbs and make claims about them that's that's how medicine is made like that you know you know what i mean that's that's why yeah okay there might be a few that have slipped through the cracks there um of course but that that, that may be the case because you you can't test everything all in one go but but generally speaking i mean that to me is this i mean if you, you look at the the science uh, the history of medicine i mean that's basically what it is it's, it's someone coming up with a remedy that spreads around a neighborhood and then eventually a country and a society and as we as you know as society uh, develop better me methodologies and the scientific methods for testing these things and really putting them through the ringer to make sure that they actually have got some value then they are accepted and we'd say okay now we can turn this into a pill form like you said sure. and make it easier for people to consume um, I don't, you know, that that's basically medicine to me. That is, that is true. And and everything you said there is right. The only, my only caveat to it, certainly as a data person who you know, understands the, the rigor that has to go through, that has to be yeah. gone through to prove these things, is that the only things that were actually tested to the appropriate level was the things that could make shitloads of profit. That could have, that had a, that had a chance yeah. in the first place. But, but anything I mean that, you can't, that helps people can make profit. No, not really, because you have to be able to put a patent on it especially the Americans, they have to be able to patent it in some way that's unique to them that for 10 years they can stop somebody else making that patent, like COVID vaccines, so you can go and make mm. billions and billions of billions and have a patent on it so no one else can do it. And again, I'm not trying to sit here and say like, oh, let's go eat pineapples or whatever. And I'm not saying that there mm. haven't been studies on things. Again, I, I, think I, just yeah. giving, I think you're just giving the, 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 these people too much credit for being too clever. I, like, I think oh. it's just like, <laughs> like, like if, if something is proven to have some sort of medicinal benefit for people, then someone's going to package and sell it. Like, but it's what it's you mean just, by proven though. If, if you want like the, the process to do to actually prove by the scientific measure, to be able to do double blind trials mm -hmm. with the fact that you have humans, you have all their life, that the, what yeah. they're doing, their health consequences, the other things they eat. It's until we figure out like quantum computing, it's actually almost impossible for us to have a fair assessment of how and when any of these things might work. And my point just comes back to mm. these plants that grow all around us, they grow all around us because we use them for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. The plants yeah. that don't grow around us, we didn't use. And then my point is like, we're not, like, we haven't been stupid for thousands of years. We may not have had like the intellect that we have now, the computers, the language. But to imagine that our ancestors that got us here were dumb, I think is, is doing a big, big disservice. Well, I think, for thousands um, I of years they used these things. Yeah, and I think dumb is the right phrase. I mean, maybe um, naive would be maybe a better way to put it, because if, there are plenty of things that have been proven, like we said, in the world of, of natural medicine to actually be medicines, and then we've adopted them. Like I said, right, we, we do that. Uh, but there's plenty of stuff that we have also researched into and gone, well, okay, that these certain people in these countries or these cultures claim this as medicinal uh, properties and it does x y and z but we've 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 carried out these trials and actually we've come to the conclusion that it doesn't but the reason for it is placebo and or it is uh environmental right um, and you know we've got to bear in mind that the, the scientific um we have to you know make sure we don't draw false uh, false um uh, uh ideas of things you know, through you know causality doesn't equal um uh, correlation or correlation doesn't equal causality or whatever way that is you know in the same way that if people eat pineapple 
uh, in a certain town to try and get pregnant and then loads of them get pregnant. Well, that may have absolutely nothing to do with that and maybe a load of other environmental factors. And so we, we draw that conclude that false conclusion that there's an association there in the same way that like a lot of people are trying to figure out why there's a certain country in Italy. I can't remember. Sorry, a certain uh, place in Italy which I can't remember the name of now, where people um, have a disproportionate amount of uh, the population that live over the age of 100 mm. compared to anyone else in the world. And people have gone there and tried, you know, time and time again to try and find, well, what, what is the elixir of life? What is it? It's a mixture of so many factors right. that that that's, you know, so no one's going to go there. Point, and, yeah, but the thing is, though, if someone in that town says, oh, well, this is the key, it's this particular thing, um, and and tried to sell it, they might get some moderate success, but the scientists would come in, look at it, and then they would make very quickly probably be able to assess, well, it isn't that. It's the fact that you have all of these other, um, you know what I mean? So it's just correlation. Yeah, but it, it's your, it, it isn't that based on a strict definition of what we have to go through in terms of, of trials to sort of prove some level of efficacy. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. I, and I guess, like, I don't disagree with what you're saying on any of it, but... I would just hope there wasn't a situation where pharmaceutical companies made drugs and said they were super safe and then they turned out and killed loads of people. Like, because mm. that happens too. So that's the same oh, science yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. That, we, that you're defending there. These companies yeah. say, oh yeah, it's safe. We did all the trials and like, oh, it turns out these vaccines actually just kill people. They don't even help. Yeah, but that's, the, but that's the problem with <laughs> science though, isn't it? Is you can't test for long-term effects. Right. And so and that's my point with the, the plant medicines too, so that you have all of these variables that we talked about in this town, you know, and the fact that you're not going to go and do the levels of studies required. Like a double blind trial could cost the pharmaceutical company a billion. Oh, One yeah. billion, yeah. right? So you are not picking up um, sage and doing experiments on it to figure out whether it will help. You're not even picking up vitamin D because you can't make enough money back on it. And so I guess for me, like I'm bringing this background to the baby and, and Yana, mm -hmm. I'm going to point a question at you. Pineapples, yes, because we've been talking way too much, Yana. You need to yeah. interject. <laughs> Pineapples, herbal treatments. I know that you, you, you've you been frustrated in the past with like people always, you always try this, you should try that. Mm -hmm. What is, is there space in what we're doing here? Because I like the idea that we're going to be in an informative center you know, for people. Um, mm -hmm. Is there space for, for, for what we're doing here for alternative medicines and treatments? Do you think there's room for that? Mm, oh, that's a very nice question. I actually sometimes asking myself this question because uh, it's really I, I don't have the exact answer uh, to that, uh, but uh, I can just share my thought uh, about uh, I'm everything about the balance. And uh, I guess uh, that uh, actually it uh, have it can be like uh, as a part of it uh, what i wanted to uh, warn that uh, we shouldn't go to an exact direction like only medical scene or only wear mm. uh, pineapple socks and that will help uh, <laughs> yeah I, I understand that mm. because uh, i've heard a lot of different options it's not just a pineapple that's like uh, wearing uh, red uh, pennies for the uh, um, fertility transfer and so, so a, a lot of things uh, that uh, uh, people are taking the um, uh, the tubes after the uh, the fertility transfer they're taking the tubes tubes where the embryos were keep so because it's it's i agree that it is symbolic and it is very important uh but i think that uh, we should not uh, like um there should be a balance uh, mm. Because not every time the acupuncture or the uh, plant-based medicine can help, because there can be some uh, such a, 
uh, heart uh, underlying condition that requires a medical surgery. And mm -hmm. you can try and it, and it cannot, um, uh, I had uh, oh, like just, if, not, not sure that if you want to really hear that, but uh, I um, at some time I had a fibroid, uh, I was diagnosed with that. And I really uh, heard like uh, 10 different opinions from different doctors, what I should do with it. But eventually I would end up with the surgery because uh, there were like uh, some medicine, there were like some uh, trial medicine and uh, there were like plant-based solution, homeopathia and uh, everything mm. in that. So I heard a lot of different options, but actually in the, it ended up with the surgery. So, and that's why I'm really, um, uh, I'm really uh, think that uh, I spent so much time on such different trying different options that and I end up with the, like an actually IVF uh, doing IVF uh, at 30. Maybe if I started at 25, like and do mm. and uh, come to medicine first. So I think there should be a holistic approach. Of course, you should take care about the lifestyle. You should uh, think about changing your habits. Of course, uh, uh, like eating pineapples, it's as uh, we talked uh, on some of our <laughs> meetings with Adrian, uh, it, it doesn't hurt you if it's not causing you an allergy. Mm, yeah. It doesn't hurt if you, if you still, but it is not, it should not be the only thing. Mm. It should be a balance of that. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I actually find out uh, nail standing pretty cool thing, and I shared it in my Instagrams. Um, that was, and and I think and I hope that that can be like uh, that can become a part of my like self care routine uh, soon. That eventually end up with with a pregnancy in in the. I'm not mm. thinking that that is the only reason that can help me, but. Yeah maybe so yeah and uh, i talked to my um to my fertility doctor uh, about uh, this uh, symbolism and uh, we have a very, very interesting conversation about that uh that is like also a balance between like ah just relax and it will happen mm -hmm. but that's also like the uh not the the not the proper advice that should be given to a person because uh, you still need to do checkups. If you're not mm. doing checkups and know that your everything is okay, that probably may not happen if whenever you do. Yeah. But uh, um, like relax, not relax, drink more, smoke more. <laughs> so it's, it's not always the case. And uh, she told me that um, once she had uh, like a group of patients, uh, that uh, uh, she, um, they were very concerned because in, in Ukraine, uh, people, they are not keen going to a psychologist uh, for the, uh, when they have fertility problems, uh, they are coming to the doctor, like mm -hmm. the fertility specialist, with, which actually is substituting their psychologist on that way, because uh, she's like, she was coming and explaining everything and, and uh, uh, She's, she told me that there were a group of patients that uh, were, uh, they formed a group and they started, uh, they believed that if you, uh, you, uh, you, yeah, sorry, <laughs> sometimes, uh, yeah, um, I, for, Adrian, I forgot the word again. Like um, a, blank, a blanket. Uh, Is it that the, the, the bird that brings children oh the stork, stork. The stork. yeah sorry sorry sometimes if the words are falling off my head yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah so if you see it 
uh, then uh, then you will eventually will get pregnant. Mm. And uh, she said like, yeah, you know what they actually did, because but but they were going through IVF process right. at the same time. Yeah, exactly. So that, is, that is the mix. They Correlation, did, causation. Exactly. Yeah, they did yeah. something calming. They did mm. something they that give hope because right. for for my for my second uh, transfer when I was going, I was. I was sure it will fail. Mm. So, that, the, and that is the most horrible thing that you, you can do. So that's why the, there should be a place for hope. Uh, and, but it's, so that's why it's super hard to keep that balance, you know, like with yeah. and hope and uh, still not to be uh, overwhelmed by this, uh, trying to think less and. Mm. Uh, I, you know, you, you said the key word there, balance for me. Yeah, it's the key word. And I think it's applicable to everything in life, right? But especially when going through difficult times in life is, um, is, is and, and this is another reason why I'm a huge advocate of, of partnerships, you know, people working together, because especially if you have two different um, ways of thinking about the world working together. I mean, I look at my wife and I, for example, you know, my wife was doing the pineapple thing and she was looking at all the different ways of doing it. just like you, you know, anything that can can benefit me, it can work. And there was me trying to be that sort of calm, more, I don't know, not, not more rational, but sort of, uh, you know, more focused on the medical side of things to just sort of keep that in check. And between us, we were able to create this sort of balance of like, you need to just relax, you need to try not to be uh, stressed and anxious, and that has a, a negative effect on it. But yes, we also, but she was like, yes, but we also need to research this and speak to these people. So between that, I think we found some sort of balance, but it's very difficult to achieve. I'm gonna share something on the screen because this, this basically, I think summarizes me as an individual. This is basically kind of what goes on through my head most of the time. <laughs> this, this is basically me right so, so <laughs> yeah yeah um but i know that i'm fortunate to kind of in some ways have that that um that philosophy and not everyone does you know which is that in crisis just like it's fine like i always i quite often talk i spoke to my brother about this recently actually when he, he came over for my birthday i was talking about how i've embraced meh this idea of just like ah, it'll be okay like we'll figure it out like there's there's an element of that which again i think comes with maturity and time but um but but it doesn't mean you sit and do nothing but it means let's just tackle it one problem at a time let's you know balance. And, yeah and that's balance. but but and and you know you you even said you know what um what even medical professionals say like you know when we spoke to doctors you maybe have heard this i don't know you can tell me but when asking about things like pineapple and these other things they don't discourage it they don't say no don't do it it's bollocks um but they don't also say yes it works they just say if it makes you feel better um that there's there's no scientific data to say it doesn't it's 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 an it has a negative impact that's kind of what they say mm -hmm. they say it won't have any negative impact on you so by all means do it but they're not going to say there's scientific data that makes it that, that proves that it does anything so it's like well what's the harm the only thing I guess where I sit on this a little bit more to the side of I think it actually can do harm is that, um, like you said, if people start taking it to the extreme, and I think there are individuals out there that are quite impressionable, unfortunately, 
who aren't able to look at this rationally like you've explained it there and can get very caught up in that. And if the medical thing keeps not working, they get more and more down that rabbit hole. And the next thing you know, they're sat in front of someone giving them a thousand pounds to read some tarot cards. And that to me is when they get exploited. And, you know, we laugh about that, but actually that happens. Yeah. And, you know, and, and that for me is awful because of, for me, those people are the worst of the worst. They, and, and I don't care who I offend when I say that, but, you know, mediums, tarot card readers, these kinds of people, they are the worst of the worst because they are exploiting the most vulnerable in our society. And so uh, that's the only thing that worries me a little bit about us not maybe being a little bit more forceful of like, just be wary of this stuff. Do you know what I mean? Yes, mm. embrace it to help you, but just please don't be oblivious to the darker side of some of these areas, which can can be quite manipulative and, and yeah. exploitative. I know. I that... think that's sorry, Guyana. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, I know that uh, that that uh, I will repeat, but I think it is very important. What can help? Like that's why we're actually like uh, creating the baby and working on it very hard uh, because. Uh, what can help a person not to fall into this, like any kind of the the imbalances? Yeah, yeah one way or the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just uh, when you are forgetting your life completely, mm. that you don't have anything. You, you not not you don't have it, but you cannot see anything. Yeah. You cannot see any. Uh, Mm, happiness in anything a part of that like big dream so that is super narrowing you and it's really can cause this uh this way like uh okay i will go the the tarot reading and uh actually not appreciate that also <laughs> uh, yeah it can become an obsession right and it, it has it has a difference from um it gives you a uh, fake uh, hopes uh, because with um, when you eat a pineapple, it also it's it's a different level of hope, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, uh, I think that the key difference is, in my opinion, between science and and you know these these other pseudosciences, if you want to call it that, is that and and this is my defense of science. And as you can tell, I'm 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 you know I'm I'm a proponent, uh, an advocate for for the scientific method and science as a whole. But the biggest difference, in my opinion, of science is um, that it never claims to have all the answers. The scientific method in its very self is built on this idea that it's always learning and developing. And that if you come across something that actually disproves what you previously learned, that is the very definition of the scientific method that you must always improve. And any real scientist, doctor, medical professional will tell you that. And that's why you were probably given so many options. Even if you went to lots of different doctors and medical professionals, you would get different options. Um, because and they should all say, you know, it's up to you. Like there's no one way of doing it. We had that. It was like, you know, you've got these different ways of doing things. You would have to, to decide yourself and do your own research. You know, none of these are 100 percent. But then on the other side, pseudoscience um, and these these other ones, they claim to be the solution. 100 percent. You know, you come to see me, I will give you a reading and it will be 100% accurate. You come to see me, I will definitely speak to your dead relative. You know, it's all 100%. And I never, I think we should just generally have a distrust of anyone that says 100% accurate. You know, like even my antibacterial spray says 99%. You know what I mean? Like even my <laughs> antibacterial spray says it will only kill 99% of bacteria. And I'm pretty sure it kills 100. But it's just saying, look, we, we don't know. It might not. You know what I mean? 
I got a, a, a mop cleaner, which has like a spray. Um, yeah. It's really easy because I'm lazy. You know, you just spray the thing as you mop. Yeah, I got one of those. It says, it says with with water only, it kills 99.9% of bacteria. I thought, well, if the water alone does this and it's a mop, then that 0.9% might, that's that's what you got to really worry, right? Like, yeah, yeah, the yeah. thing that it's not killing is what you got to worry yeah. about. And, like, yeah, I, yeah. I don't I don't disagree with anything you're saying there. Um, yeah. And that's what I want is balance. And I want the baby yeah. to be a, a balanced place where people can come and be informed and have an opportunity to explore subjects and explore a positive and a negative, talk about the plant treatments, talk about pineapples and, and give a balanced view on, on that. And, but I do think part of the problem that we're facing here, and you, you know, alluded to this, Greg, is like, well, you've got to make your own choice. And actually, that's hugely, hugely anxiety provoking for people. Yeah. And the that's what we're seeing in society. Right. That's what yeah. we're seeing in society right now. Right. And yeah. I, I have this argument with people a lot because I say you should plan. You should figure out where you want to go and start making progress towards that. Because if you won't, you're going to feel incredibly anxious. And people mm. say, shut the fuck up, Adrian. You're stupid. I've got to keep all of my options open. No, you're absolutely right. To do this. It that. comes down to what we said earlier about purpose. If you have a right. if you have a goal, you have purpose. If you have something you're working towards, you have purpose. That annihilates more anxiety because then your choice has become more and more narrow. Well, now, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like I wrote yeah. some article about this a few months ago about how, like, you know, flippantly I said, "Oh, when I'm driving my car, I love to have ten different options of where I can turn in any moment." Like, no, I don't. That would be terrible. Yeah. And yeah. that's what life is for people. And I see a lot of my friends and and people maybe a few years younger than me very much caught up in this idea of like infinite choice, infinite. Op- I've got mm. to keep myself open. They won't even commit to a date next weekend yeah. Yeah. because it's like, ah, oh, in case something else comes up, right? Mm. And that is the literal definition of anxiety, right? Mm. Like you not knowing where you are, right? So designed, pick a target, focus, move towards it. If you're not making progress towards your target, your body's telling you you're lost. And you yeah. don't know where you're going. Physiological anxiety response from people. But if we have this situation where the treatment, if you like, or the, the path for people to get pregnant actually is very, very multifaceted, obviously, mm. there's lots of different paths. And when you start to think about those paths, those paths can fork off into different directions. That's a huge problem that we're also dealing with here because Yana mm. and I don't want to come to people with this, like, this is the recipe. Like we we have an element yeah. of a recipe in our app of what we're trying to say this will be helpful. We're not trying to say that's the whole recipe for for fixing things for you. We can't help people get pregnant. We're just trying to help inform them and help them be informed. Mm. But if there's so many different paths, if there's so many different forks with different considerations for different people in different circumstances, how are people going to feel anything? other than anxious the moment yeah. they enter this process. And mm. I feel like that's something that we have to try and solve or fix or improve in, in some way here. But even the, the breadth of content that we have in the app already, you know, we have 120 audio sessions already written for this that all also come with uh, a unique challenge for that day and an affirmation for the user to, to go through. So we try to pair all that together and we know that we've got so many more topics to cover. Like that's mm. 120, it's what's that, 14 or so topics I think we have, and then 120 sessions. Mm. And it's so much. It's overwhelming. Like I had no idea about any of this beforehand. So yeah, yeah. how do we how do we guide people in a way that we help people have rails so they're not anxious? 
but we don't turn into this like buy our app money back guarantee you'll be yeah paying, yeah you know like because it doesn't it's matter nobody claims it anyway so yeah it's a fine line I think, you know, really what it comes down to, and this isn't me saying like, oh, this is what you should focus on as an app or anything like that. But I think as a more, as a more general topic, um, you know, that it is paralyzing that, that sort of anxiety that affects us all. And I think is probably what fuels all those other topics we were talking about, the behaviors we see on, you know, far right and far left movements. It's all just anxiety driven and, and, and you know, um, lack, you know, lack of confidence driven, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I think the number one thing that we need to work on is kind of what I alluded to in that meme I showed you a moment ago is, you know, is to, to become more comfortable with the unknown and, and to, to sort of almost embrace that element of it. Like I find in some ways I've, I've learned over the years to become very, very comfortable to the point where it's almost um, inspiring to be in situations where I have, I have no idea what's going to occur. And in fact, I, I remember where it all started many, many years ago when I was suffering from very crippling anxiety. Um, and I used to be on medication. I decided to go off it. And there was an unknown and it was one my first step towards it. And then I started speaking to a, a therapist about some of the things that I've been going through and some of the traumas and so on that was leading to that. And he advised me, he was like, you go out, you exercise, don't you? Because I was quite, uh, back then, and not so much now, but back then I was a lot more um, uh, uh, energetic, let's say. And I used to go out for runs. And he said, well, what do you, what's your path that you do? I said, oh, I always go sort of around there. And then he, and I explained to him, he said, okay, next time you go for a run, purposely get lost. I was like, okay, very odd advice. He's like, yeah, next time you go for a run, go somewhere you've not been before, get lost and figure out how to get home. Do your same amount of run for half an hour, 45 minutes, whatever. Maybe give yourself some extra time, but purposely get lost. And I kept doing this and I kept doing it. And it, what it basically started doing to me in some really weird way was training me to um, become more comfortable with not having a plan, which for someone like me, you know, is, is quite important and still is in a lot of what I do, like for work and so on. Obviously, that's very important. But um, but but it was just sort of getting me used to this idea and that sort of way of thinking about things I began applying to other parts of my life um, to, to huge benefits. So and now where I, I do feel like, I, you know, like I said, I, I can very consciously put myself in positions and just be like, I'll figure it out. And I sure. think that's, that's a really powerful thing. It to really is. To... And I think that's part of what we're trying to do here. And, and for mm -hmm. what you described there as, as a experience, there's good science behind why that happens. Because yeah. when you experience new things, you have new proteins in your body getting coded to handle those situations you haven't been with. Exactly. So cells in your body literally grow. And if those cells can be used again, then they are useful to you again. And there's these kinds of things that we're hoping, you know, through our encouraging people to take positive action. We're trying to help people rewire people's brains to, to an extent, because you know, as somebody who suffered with depression a lot of my life, I can see how you can get into these negative thought cycles. Mm. It's not something that happens overnight. You don't wake up depressed, right? Yeah. It's the combination of days, weeks, months, years of allowing that thought process in your brain to go into that negative place, into that dark channel, and to get all the feelings and you become like a, a junkie for that your brain yeah. like wants to i think maybe something like you want to try and solutionize for it and so that's mm. why you do it you want to protect yourself so i'll think about all these bad things so that mm. i have an answer for it yeah but you yeah. Fucking don't have an answer for it and yeah. all you do in that process is just put yourself into negative feelings and, and stress hormones and so what mm. we want to try and do is, is do what your therapist did for you is help people go get positively lost if you like mm -hmm. with some guide rails you know like help them go and grow a little bit but provide i like the, the um, that we love i like the sherlock holmes uh, thing of uh, the mind palace 
you know you know that yeah. sort of concept right um there's another there's another uh, film to bring it back to film and, and pop culture really quickly um there's another film uh called the dream catcher also based on a book by stephen king called the dream catcher very odd book and film i won't go into it because it's stephen king he's fucking crazy but there's there's a bit in it similar to the sort of the sherlock holmes thing where you go inside the mind of this man um who is uh who has the sort of powers or whatever and basically he's been trapped inside his own mind and his mind is a like a filing system um, and the reason why I like that as a way of, of sort of visualizing our thoughts and our feelings is not because of, you know, I want to become a robot or anything like there's a lot of it, which is just laying on the floor and it's a mess that makes me human. But when it comes to intrusive thoughts, when it comes to anxiety or thoughts that, that, that may push me more to the side of being depressed and, and anxious, um, I might look at a situation and yes it's important to play through the different scenarios that could occur like you said to prepare ourselves for them but once i've done that i file it away and i put yeah. it in my box and i go okay that's for later and i think that's the difference because of yeah. otherwise if you have that all out on the desk and you're looking at it all like these are all the possible ways this thing can go wrong and, and affect me kill me and hurt my family and everything if you were to have that stacked high on your desk and you're looking at it all like you're trying to solve a crime it's not going to help you, but it's sometimes just just ordering things, putting them away and going, okay, that might be useful later, might not be. You know, I've got a whole drawer dedicated to the zombie apocalypse. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I'm ready. Yeah, yeah. I'm ready. If that shit goes down, I'm ready. But I, it's out of the way. I'm not going to worry about that right now. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? But but just to, sorry, just to bring it full circle back around to you, Yana. We've talked obviously about how you know going through these big experiences, I think, can prepare you. Obviously, with the the war in Ukraine, do you feel like that? I mean, not to sort of you know trivialize this by any by any means, but do you feel like in some ways that's that's given you some more um, mental ammunition because of the, the the situation that's occurred there and and the trauma that that presumably is associated with it to deal with your own journey um, to in some ways sort of preparate uh, pre prepare you um, psychologically to you know to better deal with the the, the journey through IVF and so on. Oh, <laughs> I know. It's sort of a big question. <laughs> I said that so flippantly, but like I know it's from maybe quite a big question to ask. But uh, yeah, you know the uh, the the very first questions when I asked myself uh, when the war started and like the the invasion actually uh, started was uh, how can I bring up a child in this world. Mm. And that was a big thoughts about it. And that was for for really for half of the year I was thinking and I was only like about this thoughts like, okay, so I was dealing it and uh, that, that I have it, I found it beneficial that I wasn't like pregnant and I wasn't a mom at that moment because like uh, people who, like uh, women uh, are super brave there who took their children and uh, uh went out of the country alone without support and so on uh so uh, yeah it was focused to that like how can i bring a child to this uh, to this world it's crazy and i uh, that's about the uncertainty scene mm -hmm. because i i um i have a thought that the invasion might start because there was like uh, a lot of talks about that uh, for a couple of months and I was really scared about it. So that's why I decided to put off this thought. So like a kind of like, eh, it might, because we already had like 2014 uh, with uh, Donetsk mm. and Lugansk region. So nothing is impossible. Uh, but yeah, let's save it for later. I'm doing, I'm focused on the IVF at that moment. I was uh, preparing for my uh, next round. 
And uh, uh, after that, yeah, I was consumed with this uh, thought about uh, uh, the child uh, and uh, having it in these uh, times. Uh, but uh, then um, I started to sink more deeper into that. Uh, and uh, I thought that uh, that's actually um, not such a bad idea because we, we need more Ukrainians, definitely. Mm. <laughs> uh, so. Uh, so and th that was no, not the only reason, uh, but uh, yeah, that thing that prepared me, to, like helped me to prepare for uncertainty because um, uh, I um, I separate the uh, like people who were in the country at that moment and um, us uh, who were outside, but still, where there was a lot of uncertainty. Uh, there mm -hmm. was a lot of uncertainty because uh, we need to uh, figure out. We, we were hoping for that it will end up very soon. And we were waiting for that. So you're like, that was some like waiting period. But then you need to think about where will you live? Yeah. Uh, the change in the, uh, the home. We left our home from, uh, we were going to vacation with just two backpacks. With, with, with like, I had like uh, only one t-shirt to change, like nothing at all. So nothing of my my things and belongings. And you have like, uh, how how could that how could that be? So uh, and that uh, I guess uh, helped me a lot to become uh, more um, uh, more thinking about that. It's not that uncertainty uh, helped to deal me with this uncertainty. And that's yeah. uh, as you, that the same example as you told me. You are dealing it with uh, by practice. Yeah. And, you become uh, more comfortable with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, at that moment, we decided to move uh, to Budapest with my husband because that was uh, like uh, a solution for then. And uh, a year from that, uh, we moved to Spain. To the it, it was it is the most uncertain scene like <laughs> uh, we've done because uh, at, at that moment we have no like uh, no jobs here, no like actually nothing apart my parents who are here so they can like help with some for the first time mm. um but uh, yeah so that's why i think i'm i'm much stronger with uncertainty right now yeah uh, yeah so, so would you say you're more you're more um inclined to take risks now in your life bigger yeah. loops yeah 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 there is also a thought like uh, uh you should do it now because uh the the future can end up soon <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So that coming and actually that uh, that's uh, my uh, trip to Kia was because uh, I actually decided to to continue with the AVF uh, but mm. unfortunately like that uh didn't happen because of the missile attacks and uh, that was uh I decided to uh, leave and uh, to keep my mental health <laughs> mm. safe. mental so, and physical health safe do you mind me asking where you are in your journey with ivf now are you still continuing uh mm. right now no we have uh, frozen embryos in kiev uh, mm. and uh, we are here so that's okay. like th th that is uh, the thing but um uh, for us, uh, we decided to, uh, that's not the thing that we gave up or we were just actually postponing it because, uh, but the reason uh, for that is not because of the failures or something like that. That is a yeah. mature decision that we decided to settle down here to find a home and then we'll get back uh, mm. this way or another way or we'll get back to this process. Uh, but um, yeah, for, for now it's, it's like that. 
Yeah, well, look, I really hope that it's um, when you do decide to, to get back on that journey, that it's successful. Um, wherever it is you end up doing it, hopefully, you know, back in Kiev sooner rather than later, that would be the, the, the ideal scenario, wouldn't it? Yeah. I would imagine. Well, I don't know, would you go back if, if, if things were to settle and you were, you were able to? Would you go back now or is that it? Have you got the bug? Just move to, to Barcelona, mate. Like, not thinking about anything or going back yeah. anywhere else. No, it's like life's good. Yeah. No? Would you stay in Barcelona? <laughs> even if you could go back to Kiev, would you stay? Um, actually, I've always dreamed to live in Spain. Oh, right. That, well, there you go. Not, not always. Okay. It's for the last like seven, five, seven years since I've traveled for the first time. I was, right. I always dreamed that. So that's why um, I'm guess uh, I would like to stay here for some time, like for for a year or two or three, just to see if this is like the place I really like, or that was just my uh, imagination, <laughs> right. those, uh, beautiful pictures. Uh, but uh, yeah, I don't deny it to uh, get, go back to Kiev. Uh, because uh, there will be a lot of work to do. We need mm. to move the economy up. And uh, I hope that uh, once we um, involve with the baby uh, on the American and the UK markets, uh, we'll like, uh, be able to, um, to rise it also in Kiev uh, and to have maybe some small office there. <laughs> Well, that would be cool. That would be really cool. Yeah, that would be nice. But um, I only just sort of realized five minutes ago we've been talking for two hours, uh, which just every time I do this, it just flies by. I hope it has for you anyway, as well as it has for me. But um, I'm, I feel like we could probably talk for another two hours, to be honest. So there's so many things that you said at the beginning that I still didn't even like, that I sort of made mental notes on that I wanted to touch on. but. But we can do it another time, maybe. Yeah. 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 Second, second version of the podcast. Yeah. I'm sure you'll be yeah, doing yeah. Like, lots of these. So I look forward to measuring yeah, our progress when we come back. Right. Yeah. Exactly. But so just to, just to wrap up though, like this is like I said, I do have like two bits of like semi structure. So if you've got five minutes, um, if you don't mind, just really quickly. So the last bit is the end, which is um, and this is a bit cliche, but I, I need I need to figure out how to word this a bit better. But essentially, like I'm hoping that a lot of people that are going to be watching this are kind of not only founders themselves, but also people aspiring to be to start their own company um, and and uh, you know to, to entrepreneurs, budding entrepreneurs, whatever it might be. And I like I like the idea that these stories are going to be somewhat inspirational to them. And of course, the other main audience to this is you know any potential investors uh, you know who, who are in my network who might sort of you know, come across your you two and, and watch this and think these guys are cool. They're a bit mad. But you know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, the one guy loves, likes uh, stingy nettle tea. But apart from that, um, I'll invest some money in it. Um, That's so, psycho. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which I, which another thing I wanted to talk about more actually. But anyway, we'll talk about another day. But um, yeah. So I guess what would your message be to those to those people? I'm I'm talking more about the budding founders and the current founders out there. Um, you know, what would you say you've learned that maybe you know some parting words of wisdom that maybe you want to pass on? Why don't we start with you, Yana? What would you maybe want to pass on? Mm, okay, so I guess the first and the very, very first thing uh, that stopped me for some time and made me stuck is not to be afraid to do and start, because uh, that is the most actually hardest thing to overcome. I uh, haven't founded these startups before, so I only worked for some. Uh, and uh, that for me, that that is the uncertainty of uh, uh, like making making the decisions that was uh, terrifying and made me stuck at the moment. So I had a thought that, uh, yeah, I would like to start my own business. And I uh, that was 
actually starting not from the business point. So that was actually starting from the I want to um, have a product for people to help them. And mm. that involved into some like uh, business opportunities. Uh, and uh, that that made me stuck. I was afraid to move forward. I was afraid to, 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 to do it. So that is, I guess, the, the very first thing. And uh, also, uh, I think the one very important thing to keep in mind is not, I, I still think that you should be like purpose oriented, uh, but not like not only business oriented. Uh, mm -hmm. Because uh, when you're forgetting about for whom you are doing this and uh, why you're doing this, you get lost with pitches, uh, financials and every every this thing, uh, but uh, it making you uh, more distance with your um, clients, with the people who would you would like to help to. Mm. And um, so, um, yeah, so I think that it is important to keep up to the purpose. Good advice. And it kind of ties into what we were just talking about, right? Not being afraid to just go for it. Yeah, being, being comfortable with that. Yeah. What about you, Adrian? What would your parting words be? I only have bad advice. That's all I'm going to go for it. I think this is a really hard question to, to answer. And like, I don't honestly feel um, really qualified to, to give uh, a significant amount of advice on this. This is the first time I've been part of a startup before from an early point, but this is my first time founding a business. And um, I guess things that I reflected on myself would be like, I worked for 15 or so years. I, I had pretty reasonable career where I had credibility and, you know, people and responsibility as well. Um, and it, I think it would have been very easy for me. And perhaps I did this at the beginning of the journey is sort of kind of come in with this mentality of like, well, I know stuff. And the reality is I know fuck all. And I have to learn new stuff all the time. Mm. Um, and that's now actually this last few months, I've started to become a little bit more sort of a priesthood of myself, if you like, in that mm. in this last few months, I actually, you know, taught myself a few new tools, new coding languages, learned learn a lot more about AI, learned more about launching apps. You know, I, I, I'm a developer, but I've not been an app developer for over 10 years. And so developing apps now again is actually something I'm finding I'm really enjoying compared to perhaps, you know, big elements of the career I had before. And so I guess partly my advice would be on the uh, figure out how you can learn and, 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 and that you accept that you will have to learn some things mm -hmm. um, and that should be inherent. But I guess ideally that find a way to align what you have to learn with what your, what your goals are. Right. And that's the big thing I'm always talking to people about what do you want? Why are you doing what you're doing? Um, and whether that's like career coaching or whatever, but I always try and get down to people like, what is it you want? You don't want a successful business. You don't want to learn this language or have to have that, that skill. You want some outcome. And for me, yeah. it's like, I want my own property. I want a big farm or something like this. You know, I want a place that I can have stability. I've moved around Lots of singing my life. everywhere. Singing nettles everywhere. I want to play in a blues band in a local bar. All these kinds of things, right? Mm. But I, I want I want security and stability for me. Mm. And so, when I think about how I'm going to get that, I think about what skills I need to help get me there. And then coming into this project with Yana, I was also very looking at the situation, going right. Well, what can I learn from Yana here? What skills can I develop that I need to to develop? And and why am I motivated to do what I'm doing? And so that in the days when you're frustrated as fuck and you feel like you don't know what you're doing nothing's working and you don't get traction you have a fighting chance of like carrying on 
because at least you know why you're doing stuff and you can see these clear benefits to you. And so I mm. feel like Fiana and I is the, the very least out of all this, even if it doesn't become what we, we want it to be. And obviously I very much hope and believe it can be, but I can see some very, very clear things that I personally at least will have gained on that process. And that's what motivates me to keep going. And so I think that's my biggest advice for anybody is if you have those whys nailed down why you're doing it and you can bear anyhow i'm i'm plagiarizing like nietzsche or something there i'm sure mm. but like like that is really 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 true and, and that's mm. helped me a great deal continues to help me as i have to learn all these crazy things now and go back to a place in my career where i'm i'm the fool again um yeah. and yeah like be prepared for that like really really be yeah prepared yeah yeah be and see, again. see again it comes back to you've just exemplified my my the reason why I love partnerships because of both halves of what you just said perfectly matched to me. You're saying about yeah, I'm about just starting and not being afraid to start. And you're saying, you know, saying about um, you know, identifying your, your gaps in your skill set and not being afraid to learn. And for me, what the, the key to that is, and we've had I've had these conversations multiple times now in these sessions, it always seems to come back to this, is just start and essentially figure out and learn as you go. That's basically what it comes down to, because a lot of people, I think, make the mistake of sitting down and wanting to learn everything and trying to plan it out. And they're like, oh, OK, well, in that case, I need to learn how to use this. I need to learn how to use this. And but before you know it, you're, you're doing everything but making progress on what you need to be doing. Make a start. Identify your gaps and your skill set that you need at the time. Fill in those gaps. Move on to the next steps and just rinse and repeat, really, isn't it? Like, I just think you have to know why, though. You have to know why you're making yeah, that start. Exactly. That's really important to me. Because yeah, I yeah, get yeah. Really concerned about this message in the world too much if I just get out there and start right. what I see that is firing people into depression because what people yeah. do is they don't think why they're doing it they yeah. start they fail they start they fail and suddenly mm. I failed turns into I always fail and yeah, turns yeah. into I'm stupid and I'm not competent and suddenly yeah. you're depressed and you're not really functional in life because you took that mentality of just start and so I do agree with the start and make progress but just like point yourself up in a direction first because if you're <laughs> pointing down when you just start not going to be a good uh, good outcome for you. Yeah. you know? And also, both of you prefixed what your advice was with the fact that you have both worked in startups before, that you both have a wealth experience and you both had careers before. And that's also something not to be sniffed at. You don't need to come straight out of school or college or university and create the next Amazon. That things take time. You need to learn a lot, make mistakes, watch others. Um, there's, there's a lot for that. There's very few people that are in the situation where they can just come straight out of the gate and make a successful business. That's not to say you shouldn't try if you want to, but I think more, more commonly than not, just get a job in a startup, get a job somewhere, yeah. absorb yeah. as much as possible, be a sponge, you know, that kind of thing. And to, to a bit of self, shameless self-promotion too, I mean, a lot of what I do is as a result of what we're talking about too, is that, you know, um, people are inherently very bad at, at knowing what they are good and bad at, right? Um, and so a lot of what I do is, is helping founders identify what they need help with, right? And and, and advising on that and so, so saying, right, we, we should focus on this area. And that when you're an early stage founder, you're a generalist. Like you're a specialist generalist, as it were. Like you, you need to be good at everything. But as time goes on and the, the business becomes more mature, then you need to become more focused. And sometimes you need someone else to do that. And unless you're lucky enough to have two two founders or, or multiple founders, you don't always have that. And you can get blind, you know, tunnel vision, can't you? So a bit of self. Yeah, no, actually, I did uh, personality assessments and compared our results to see how oh, they sort of match up temperamentally. I, I partner with a company that do um personality assessments and, and cognitive reasoning assessments for in the recruitment phase and so right, Yana right. and i did this assessment together and it kind of gives you a comparison breakdown of your personality but mm -hmm. also then the comparison of you two as a partnership 
and mm. where that might be strong for you and where that might um you might have some weaknesses shall we yeah, say yeah. and that was really good for us i think we set that off to begin with like we're actually Jan and i hope you won't mind me saying this we're, we're both um more on the emotional end of things we're both a bit more highly strong we can react to things quite strongly um mm. and i think it was really really useful probably for both of us knowing that about each other and knowing that okay if there is a moment that things feel tense it's it's maybe a little bit more just about the other person's like inherent temperament rather than it being now that they like hate you and you know you're going to have all these big problems as founders and i certainly think for me even when we look at the stuff that we're not doing well which like might be sometimes doing enough of the action thing we now mm. have a clear idea as well that like, when we bring the next person in actually that person probably should be a very very highly structured organized person because right. that's not us right like when neither of us are that <laughs> And that's beautiful in some way. The only thing is that you won't, the only thing is both of you won't be able to fucking stand them. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know. I love organized people because I'm so unorganized that I'm like, yeah, you can do the organization. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So so, do you know what? You run run it. We're going to (laughs) go. We're going to pub on the beach. Uh, well, look, we, we've got to wrap it up, but um, yeah. yeah, it was so lovely speaking to you both. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, we'll definitely great. have to do this again. I, you know, I, I, like I said, I will, I will bring people back on once you've had it. Like, if you know, if we have nice conversations like this, why not, right? Because there's yeah. still so much more to talk about. But um, we'll, we'll, we'll obviously be in touch. I mean, uh, you're not going anywhere. We're not going anywhere. So, um, you know, I, I wish it all the best of success. And um, in the YouTube video, when I post it up, there will be links to both your profiles on LinkedIn um, as well as the um, the baby website where currently people can um, uh, register interest, right? So you, um, they can get uh, information, I assume, for uh, how the, the app's developing and so on. And of course, if anyone wants to invest, um, you're, you're actively raising at the moment, is that right? Nope. No, no, no. We'll come back next time, I think we'll discover next that. Next time we'll talk not, about it. We're not yeah. okay. Right. okay. So if anyone wants to give you any money right now, you'd say no, thank you. It depends on the subject or the terms <laughs> of that money. But, you know, if you someone can come give me 10 grand for a laugh, then yeah, you can. Okay. Here's All my right. so, if anyone, so if anyone out there wants to give uh, uh, Adrian 10 grand for a laugh, then they know where to find you. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll advice, there. <laughs> advice and help. Love it for that. So any investors okay. want to reach out and give advice, then they are more than welcome to. All right. Yeah, Good. and we're also uh, open to hear about the experience of others because I wanted mm. to thank you and uh, to raise up the point that uh, it is uh, so the conversation about the the baby is going so much different if the person is aware of the process and healthy. Yeah. So uh, because especially from the male side, because uh, when I uh, talk to different people, when I was starting about the idea and uh, everything with other founders uh, and uh, they were male and successful founders and they were like talking like, ah, it's a niche topic. It's Mm. not a problem. Really so it it is completely different. So maybe maybe next time I can bring my wife on. (laughs) She can talk about her experiences. Yeah. Yeah, that would be glad if you, if uh, you, your wife, or any other want to share uh, their story, their experience, uh, the past or the success story or the current mm. story. We'd be glad to hear because it's everything puts up into like uh, into a bigger picture mm. <laughs> of uh, our app. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, wonderful. Thank you so much. I'll let you both uh, enjoy your days. Um, thank you again, and um, I look forward to following the journey. And uh, we'll speak again very soon. Thanks, Greg. Thank you. Thank you. Ciao, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you for watching and or listening. Please like.
subscribe and join the conversation in the comments below.